This episode of LA Meekly is brought to you by Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is there to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So start doing ads. That's podcorn.com. 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 You still got it. I had four different tags jump into my head at the same time, and I I didn't catch any of them. Podcorn. Be our competitor. No way. Coca-Cola's way better than Pepsi. Oh, I thought we were discussing the merits of F. Scott Fitzgerald, but you want to argue Coke versus Pepsi? Let's do it. Pepsi blows Coke out of the water. Pepsi tastes like expired Coke, and if I wanted expired Coke, I'd get expired Coke from my garage because I have so much expired Coke in there because I can't drink it all in time. All Coca-Cola still has traces of cocaine in it, okay? Pepsi only has angel dust, so there. Well, I guess it's just the age-old debate of Pepsi versus Coke. Don't you mean the age-old debate of Pepsi versus Coke versus 7-Up? No. This is a private argument about F. Scott Fitzgerald, so butt out. Also, who are you? I'm sorry for being rude. I haven't had my morning Coke yet. Didn't you recognize my transparent Greek visage and bubbly personality? Slimer? No, I'm 7-Up, and I'm here to throw my hat in the age-old three-way between Pepsi, Coke, and 7-Up. I believe you mean the age-old four-way of Pepsi, Coke, 7-Up, and I, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper? That's a southern man soda. How dare you, sir? I have a PhD and was a loyal soldier under Stonewall Jackson. Not so fast, partner. All four of y'all are wrong. It's the age-old five-way tween Pepsi, Coke, 7-Up, Dr. Pepper, and me. Box root beer. Barks? That old cowboy juice? I'm the only soda made of something that grows in the dirt. Roots. Whoa! Did somebody say five-way? I think at this point we're at a six-way. Whoa, baby! Mountain Dew here at your service. And don't worry, I've got a low sperm count. And don't forget about me. Who are you? They call me Mr. Pib. And don't forget about me, Squeak! So to sum up, it's the age-old debate between Pepsi, Coke, 7-Up, Dr. Pepper, Barks, Mountain Dew, Mr. Pib, and Squirt. And Shasta. Oh, what? Why is everyone leaving? You're all too good for Shasta all of a sudden? Is it because Shasta's got priors? It can't be the restraining order. That thing's expired. Is it because Shasta's sold in the 99 cent store? Don't pretend like Shasta doesn't see you there too, Mr. Pib. They call me... Oh, you call me that. Shasta's better than all of you. Who's there when you need something to bring to a kid's birthday party last minute? Who do you turn to when you want value, but not flavor? Who else is the Little Caesars of soda? Long live! the king shasta was killed that day he died in a bloody shootout with cactus cooler but not before dragging little baby squirt down to hell with him this message brought to you by the american dental association hope you enjoyed our new ultraviolent ad campaign make sure to check out the full video ad on tiktok guest directed by sam peckinpah
This is Ali Meekly, the podcast that will have you saying, are you still at the park? Did you leave? <laughs> Why would we leave when yeah. there's so much sleep space? <laughs> we had to reserve a spot this for next a, month. This is a very popular park. You heard the party that was going on in this park last month. We didn't want that to happen again, so we've been calling in bomb threats all yeah, month. All, all month. I've been saying that I've seen uh, someone in the trees. You're too casual today. It's been You've been in the park for too long. Yeah, well, you know. You're holding your microphone like you're Rick James about to leave the stage. <laughs> You've referred to me as Rick James several times in this conversation. It's the hair. It's it's the lack of hair. <laughs> it, you know, we all did weird things during the pandemic. So Some of us did super freaky things during the <laughs> pandemic. Super freaky when? Now? When you when you were counting us in, you said this is episode 91 and that was kind of, that was kind of shocking to hear. I know last month was 90. That didn't yeah. do anything. That didn't, yeah. 91. 91 is closer to 100 than 90 is. It is. That's how numbers Wait a work. Minute. Let me get my abacus. <laughs> Let me do tally marks real quick on the ground. <laughs> We've officially, it's like 2001 was the new millennium. Yeah, yeah. 91 is when it really, that's when we've realized where we we've been doing this too long yeah sorry you said 91 i thought you meant 1991 i'm like you know that the millennium's <laughs> 2000 but i see what you mean now. uh no i don't i think i think i know i think i know when jesus was <laughs> murdered i was there <laughs> or was it when he was born i was there too <laughs> uh some people call me lucifer <laughs> some people call me maurice <laughs> but all I know is that I'm the devil and I'm smoking token, uh, midnight smoking. <laughs> the other day I was thinking about how we were at a party at Chris and Cindy's and we were, it was me, you, maybe Nadav, maybe Andy Sal and another guy who I think was a comic. And we were talking about that song. <laughs> Of course we were. Of course we were. I feel like every party we're at, we have to bring up the Steve Miller band. <laughs> Has anybody heard the Joker? <laughs> the four of us were stumped because they're like, what the hell is the song called? And the other guy we didn't know was like, it's the Joker. <laughs> And like so mad at us, like oh, but only because he was dressed as the Joker. Yeah, he was dressed he as the Joker. It was also Steve Miller. <laughs> his favorite, you know, what his favorite movie is, don't you? <laughs> oh my God, there's a horse going by again. But there's no rider. This, isn't cool. this another Steve Miller song? <laughs> Where's the pale horse? This horse is black. Where's the pale horse? I've been through Burbank on a horse with no rider. Is that Steve Miller or is that the Eagles? That is for sure not Steve Miller. Oh, I thought well. it was Neil Young, but it That's might definite. I know, I, now I'll lay down. Here, you're okay. That is you're for sure not wall? Neil Young. <laughs> Anything folksy that's kind of okay. I'm like, is that Neil Young? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah look at that. Horse. Oh, he's big. That was the mayor of Burbank yeah. telling us Jay that there's a horse. <laughs> a little boy, Jay Lano. And by horse, he means it's a hot rod from <laughs> 1950. It's a car named after a horse. Mustang, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> so we're, we're, what is this? This is the July episode. This is July. Happy July. It's yeah. about to get even hotter than it was for those four days. It's about to get hot. Uh, the first two or three weeks, it'll be very loud in every neighborhood. <laughs> every Congratulations on everybody on July 5th for making it through Frightened Dog Awareness Month. <laughs> Ow. It's oh, yeah, Daniel's having a stroke, but it's not a big deal, though. <laughs> and this means that I did research for nothing. <laughs> As I'm being resuscitated yeah. by the paramedics. You mean I sat <laughs> up until 3 a.m. every day? You made me sit still for there, an hour for nothing? There is a, what we think is a rabid squirrel, like, yeah. doing acrobatics of yeah. the... It kept coming up to where we were sitting. Yeah, very close. And then we'd, like, make a movement, and it would, like, backflip away yeah, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a ninja in the 90s. Like a ninja in the 90s. Like an American ninja in the 90s. <laughs> so if you hear, like, a rabid rabid uh, squeaking and then yeah. the squirting of blood yeah yeah you know what it is you you know what time it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> one time that means it's time to mail all your la meekly <laughs> box tops put on your masks so before we get into anything we have uh we have i hesitate to say a couple we have one new patreon person and then an upgraded oh, patreon person. please tell me a bionic patreon person the new person we have is bridget 
Popel. Hi, Bridget. We've never had a Bridget as a. No, we haven't. Except when Bridget Bardot was was we were sending, when we were sending postcards to Bridget yeah. Bardot. It was for, for something else that wasn't related to this. It was just it was on a, our was, official stamp. It was a ransom thing. Yeah. But and then we have I mispronounced his name the first time. He told me how to properly pronounce it, and then I forgot it, and now I'm going to mispronounce it again. Cool. That's a bad job on your part, but I can. All, I've been bit by so many squirrels this past <laughs> month, Greg. But David Can or Con, he upped his oh, uh, amount fantastic. that he gives Thank us you very on much. Patreon. Yeah, that was really nice of yeah. him. But enough about these people who give us money and we ransom them. And <laughs> we have their addresses and we <laughs> do things with them. We sell them for Bitcoin is what yeah. we do. <laughs> what Bitcoin is? We don't, we're not really sure yet. We don't understand, yeah. but we do know what blackmail is. <laughs> and that's an investment you'll never lose, buddy. <laughs> Before we get into this month, what what's something you did in the last month? Or do you want me to go first? Well, last month, I'll tell you that I for sure didn't go see Conan in his last <laughs> week. Even though I reserved tickets, I ended up not being able to go. Here, Here's something to consider, though, because I, I did watch one of the episodes from yep. the last week, and nobody in the crowd was wearing masks at oh. all. Oh, uh, I feel like I'm in enough situations now where people aren't. I've been inside but of places. You, yeah, you're, yeah, that's Yeah, true. I've been going out. I've been irresponsible. But you haven't been... <laughs> I've been bad. I've been Tell bad. me I've been bad. <laughs> but there's also no spacing. Like you would be oh, in, a, yeah. in a cramped theater that was built like 70 years ago yeah. with no masks on. I don't know. And that's been another segment of, I don't know. Uh-huh. What have you been? A quick one and then a longer one. Quick one. I went to Formosa Cafe finally. It was right. very nice. It's one. It's going to have to be one of the spots that we go to. Mm-hmm. Before they are gone forever yeah, for whatever exactly. reason. Exactly. Before someone, on a whim, someone buys it and destroys it and stomps it with a giant boot. The Monty Python Corporation <laughs> buys it? A better day was that we went to we took Ringo to Rosie's Dog Beach in Long Beach which was really nice oh you've you've talked about that place before I might have brought it up there's another Dog Beach in Seal Beach was the one I went to before but Rosie's is a nice one and there's one. a Seal Beach in Dog Beach yeah people don't talk about that but no yeah no one ever goes there no one ever goes there people get so bitten no, actually no seals there um, <laughs> it's just the musician <laughs> it's just his it's his beach house. it's his private property it's sealed um, Seals Beach <laughs> but you know we he, he's a dog so he gets friggin filthy at the Dog Beach that's what he does boy is he a dog but walking distance there's a place called paw spa and it was a self-washing station so we were able to wash him right after that you know they give you like a apron and you lock him up in a little tub and you hose him down and, <laughs> and it was you pour this dissolving chemical all over him <laughs> and then we went to after that we went to uh, the lighthouse and I saw the fox which was insane oh yeah I still don't understand why there was a fox what was it Sam the, the which Point lighthouse? Furman not uh, the Point lighthouse Vicente. the haunted lighthouse they're both haunted that's what's confusing oh yeah, yeah there's yeah. two lighthouses you and can say both I went to the haunted lighthouse and you still wouldn't know which one I was talking about <laughs> the haunted one the haunted you know the haunted one the, cats. the one that about bunch of people have fallen off the cliffs of <laughs> and when you're standing there you get it when you're there you're like oh i can i yeah there's cliffs there's like a, a, a cliff it's funny because not long after you were there like another body oh showed up God. on the bottom of those so scary it is but yeah I, I i saw what i thought was a really long orange coyote and ada had to be like no you've read children's books before that's a fox i'm like all fox are in britain how can a fox be in california they go fox hunting and she had to be like they're in no, california too there's no chicken coop around here there's no attractive women that he can leer at. I've never, ever, ever... I don't even know if in a zoo I've seen... Who am I kidding? Wow. Of course I've seen one in a zoo. Oh, I walk by when I close my eyes. That's what it is. <laughs> I refuse to see I refuse it. to Any, see them. Anything that's related to a royal doll property, <laughs> I don't look at. Those BFGs in the zoo? No, thank you. The, uh-huh. b- the big effing gorillas. <laughs> but yeah, that, I, it's like unfathomable to me. There would be a fox. But that actually leads into my thing because I asked you I if I could... I killed a fox. 
<laughs> I let loose a bunch of foxes in the city uh, in this past month. I asked if I could use that picture because I started from the library. I found right. that there's a thing. As with everything I do for enjoyment, it's meant for children, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's called the iNaturalist app. And it's basically like a, if you see, if you see something, say something. <laughs> if you see like an animal. So you're a narc. That's great. It's natural <laughs> to think on all of your neighbors. Uh, but if you see like an, a fox, yeah. uh, that's why I asked for the picture or any animal or plant life, you upload it to this uh-huh. and it like, so then everyone can see like on a map, this uh-huh. is where someone saw this and then people identify it. Oh, wow. And then that helps scientists track like, oh, there's foxes by the haunted lighthouse. Oh, this is where these birds go at this time of year. So you're helping science and uploading things. Which that makes my two you favorite things. a scientist. Um, <laughs> I naturally <laughs> are you sure it's not just like a poacher's database you're positive right that it, it's oh, not like a no. just like a bunch of hunters i shouldn't have posted that i saw that white rhino in van nuys <laughs> or was that a spearmint right <laughs> i was very sleepy at the time i'm giving away can you believe this is the last <laughs> yeah there's a family of deers at this park can you believe it i just hear a collective <laughs> <laughs> coming from santa clarita away. yeah <laughs> santa clarita. that's what i've been doing cool uh, just pictures of slugs and things like that hey uh, you're right that is completely a thing meant for children that you are i don't want to say exploiting it's not exploiting but it's it's definitely not for you i don't want to say you're appropriating childish <laughs> things because you're childish <laughs> we'll do the listener question at the end okay i did a you did a, a uncle jesse movement with you did, <laughs> it is or uncle, uncle joey which no, one's uncle the funny jesse one which one's the attractive is one? the attractive one okay. that's that's what i'm doing john all the time. stamos dave coulier dave, which one's the joey. one that alanis morissette wrote a song about Uncle Joey. So we'll get to that at the end. This month, it's pretty much summer. It's summer now. It is summer. I think today might actually be Midsommar. Oh. Did you bring your... Um, a crappy boyfriend? Who's not really guilty of much other than just being a crappy boyfriend and doesn't deserve supportive. to die. But yeah, just break up with him. You don't have to burn him alive. I, I, I brought you over to this cliff. I wanted you to <laughs> see something. And I hope you don't mind... We're a little old-fashioned. I hope you're not too attached to your skin, <laughs> uh, literally and figuratively. But uh, yeah, it's summertime. And what better thing to have in the summer than... Soda pop. Soda pop. One of God's greatest gifts. One of his most natural things. (laughs) Sprung from the earth. (laughs) Grows on a bush. Soda pop. Divine ambrosia. Manna from heaven. Soda pop. You cut an elm tree, it bleeds soda. Black cherry if it's in season. Other times of the year might be wild cherry. (laughs) It might be a 7-Up. I I thought this would be a refreshing break from the summer. Yeah. And something, because the last two episodes, not that they were like heavy stuff, but they were like important sort of things. So I wanted to do something completely unimportant. Yep. I have three... Spooky stories. <laughs> three slurpy stories. <laughs> I have three drinks and you have two places. Yes. You might want some soda. You're going to get thirsty. I almost stopped at a certain soda pop shop mm. on the way over here and I was going to mm. grab you something, but mm. I was running late. We should call this episode Thirst Trap. It's going to be very confusing like our March Madness episode. People are not <laughs> hey, going to know what they're listening to. We got to. a few more downloads <laughs> than we should have, didn't we? Everything should just be... And here's our Mayor of Easton. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start it off. Okay. Ever wanted an orange juice? Julius, but didn't feel like going into a mall, then have I got the drink for you. You don't even know what I've done this month, have you? You don't know. Don't point at me. <laughs> I always get accusatory when yeah. I... Yeah. Hey, you. When I realize something. Full on about to get in your face, which I haven't done in a year. Gonna get physically in your face like you've done Orange Julius already, Daniel. <laughs> no. No. I know. Not like this. <laughs> we're Aaron Manking this and we're remastering Remaster all of our episodes. It. it just means I'm gonna add spooky sounds behind me. Bats. And <laughs> yeah, what? there's gonna be a creaky door. <laughs> Tell me more about this not orange julius thing that's not in a mall i don't know what you did this month. then have i got a drink for you greg and it ends with a bang oh my god that's right orange don't say it 
bang. Oh, now I need one. Damn it. Would yeah. you say it? I taste the froth in my mouth. Oh, great. Like the rabid squirrel hair. <laughs> I can really taste, and I'm getting like blood in my eyes too. That's the that's the orange bang experience, isn't it? I just feel, I don't know, feral. Um, I feel like just ripping my clothes off and also clawing my skin. Just like an orange bang. Do you have a pool I can jump into? Really hot. <laughs> and die? Yeah. Yeah, orange bangs. Oh, my oh, God. So good. Oh, my God. So good. It all begins with- One, one more. Oh my God, Orange Bangs. <laughs> Can we have a moment of silence yeah. for Orange Bang? Do the sign of the cross. Uh, <laughs> William Hung is singing. <laughs> it all begins with a man who ends with a fox. Not the one that we were talking about. I don't know why foxes are coming up so much it's in this episode. Odd. That's right, David Fox. Okay. He's a Canadian, but why grow up in a nice place like that when you can split your childhood between Los Angeles and Detroit? <gasps> Did his parents get a divorce? They got a divorce from taste. <laughs> uh, hey, when he got older, he became a minor league baseball player okay. who looked like he was on a path to make it to the major league. But then something came down that path in Phoenix in 1952 that he wasn't expecting. A ground ball that jumped up and hit him in the eye. Okay, that'll do it. Yeah. I took one of those in like really? first grade. Yeah, did it, did it mess you up? Oh, it messed me up real bad. Because this guy, it sidelined him. But when he recovered, he realized that the injury messed up his vision and Ooh. he was never able to hit a ball as well as he used to do so a dream he had worked his whole life for crushed he quit baseball what did you say was banged he got a little oranged up <laughs> his emotions were all whipped <laughs> so he quit baseball and did the only sensible thing he could do move to detroit to work in his dad's lingerie store <laughs> wow and then a ground g-strings <laughs> flapped up and ruined his other eye but then phase two of this guy's crazy life started when he moved back to la in the late 50s where he got a job doing promotion for capital records oh wow uh, here he met all the big capital musicians of the late 50s and 60s and also was apparently the guy who discovered the dynamics who did the song misery which went on to be borrowed by The Who in the song Zoot Suit. Okay. So uh, it's not the song because I was thinking the world's keeping me down, misery, oh. but that's not the misery song. But you, you'll hear the guitar riff and you'll okay. recognize it. This is very similar, I don't know if you remember, to Famous Amos's story. I was just thinking the same yeah. thing. This guy who became known for something that's probably going to give me diabetes one day, <laughs> he had a, ha a fingerprint on the history of music, yeah. which is weird. Yeah, we need like clips for our papers. Yeah, we do need clips. I'm watching you struggle and it's not as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> Yeah, the wind is blowing our papers. Maybe if I put some yakety sacks <laughs> underneath it. Maybe I'll hold a banana cream pie in the other hand. <laughs> Just in case this goes <laughs> south. But then he left Capitol and entered into the third phase of his life, oh the juicy one. He and four others started a company called Five Crown Fruit Juices, who ended up becoming the California distributors for a drink made by a company in Texas. And this was a frothy orange drink, something along the lines of an Orange Julius, which, as we know, was quite in existence at this yeah. point. The Five Crowns, so they were trying to get this drink drink sold in movie theaters in California but before anything could happen the company in Texas got sold and that frothy orange drink recipe got swallowed Ooh. into the tough American Texas dirt covered in a mountain of longhorns and alamos and as goes Texas so goes five crown fruit juices their company failed but Fox who had already been a big fan of orange Julius had also been a big fan of that frothy orange drink yeah. that he was selling for this company so he decided to mess with Texas and try to recreate the recipe for the drink himself and sell it on his own so there was not orange julius or okay bang. now i'm i'm playing into your hands you idiot uh it, it was not orange bang it was just something like that but okay. he decided to recreate 
it now. So he set up shop in his kitchen. And over the next three months, uh, he'd wake up at 6 a.m. every day and tried 1,500 different versions of how he thought this drink was made, forcing his teenage daughter and her friends to drink them and tell him what they thought. That sounds like, oh, I would get tired of it. But we're talking about Orange Bang here. I probably wouldn't have got tired of it. Your dad is so cool. Yeah, We'll be here at 7.30 in the morning once he's done whipping up 100. How much? 1,500? He didn't do it all in one day. 1,500. He tried 1,500 different versions over three months. If he didn't do an absurd amount of things in one day, I'm not interested. So finally, in July 1971, he had recreated the recipe to his satisfaction. He still doesn't drink it, though, unless he has to because he's still sick of it from that whole process. So uh, He's a poser. You love Orange Bang? Yeah. Smoke a whole pack of Orange (laughs) Bangs. It's the only way you'll quit. His daughter and her friends still have heartburn from this. But now what to call it. He couldn't get over the crown thing, so he thought maybe Orange Crown. Not a bad name. Enough with the crown. How about Orange Royal? No. Two 1%. Orange Delight? No. He wanted something exciting. Something that has a word that'll get people jumping out of their seat. Orange Bang. I love it. I'm going to put like like an atomic bomb explosion when I say that. (laughs) That's more of a boom. What you're looking for is this sound. (laughs) Put a bang here. Now all he needed was $5,000 that he borrowed from his mom to build some special dispensers for the drink. And off he went going door to door to every small restaurant in town that he saw pitching it to their owners. Yeah. Uh, He'd bring in all the ingredients and blend it all fresh at the restaurant for them to try. Like open up a a briefcase and there's loose milk and oranges. (laughs) Give me that bag over there. It's got orange juice. It. It's got loose orange juice in it. Now, don't look at it too much, though, because I don't want you knowing the recipe. <laughs> if the owners were interested, he'd cut a deal with them and install one of his specially designed dispensers that would froth up the drink for you right then and there and become whipped. Wow. So he made this machine also that would give it that frothiness. That's crazy. On top of that, he would also be the one going around... It never looked cool having to do that, by the way. Not to judge you and tell you how to, how to do things. But what if I play yakety sack? Oh. <laughs> what if I play bad to the bone while I awkwardly <laughs> turn pages? So he would also be the one going to all these restaurants servicing the machines if there was a problem with them. And this was how he got into the bang business. Just trying every small restaurant in town and getting orange bang into whoever would have him. For those first two years, Fox was literally doing everything. Like He was hustling these bangs all over town, usually working every day of the week until midnight, making about $100 a week, which got him two years behind on his property taxes. But then he started making money and he was able to hire people to actually help him. And about four years in, it really started clicking okay which means he had to repair the machine which means they're out of syrup uh, it started clicking so i had to go to the hospital it wasn't it wasn't good his heart started clicking because he was so overworked sorry mr fox but you have clicky heart it's terminal it's terminally clicky click 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 that's him crying also everything oh no you've got clicky tears it's this is it's, worse than i thought it's clicking faster than we thought he had managed to carve out a very specific niche in the market orange bang was the fruity drink of choice in most fast food places and convenience stores around la which is a niche that you will still find Orange Bang in to this day. Like small, casual mom and pop places where you order at a counter. That's where you're going to find an yeah. Orange Bang in Los Angeles. And they became like the local drink of choice. I, I imagine ordering an Orange Bang at a hamburger place in town in the 70s was on the same level of like being in the know as ordering a cheesesteak in Philadelphia in whatever way the locals do where the guy taking your order doesn't yell at you for ordering <laughs> it the wrong way and say, what are you, some California boy? Yeah. Hey, city boy. 
I got a racial slur for you. Uh, <laughs> bigger city boy. Get out of here. Why I... Uh, Why water? I... Water? <laughs> he never did any advertising either. Like, yeah. it was just... It just kind of became popular organically because it was so good. Yeah. Like, people just liked it. Like our comedy. It. Yeah, like it, our podcast. Like LA Meekly. It, it just, like... We, no one even talks about it. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's so popular. You don't want to spoil it by talking about <laughs> yeah. it and letting all your friends know about we've, it. We've moved on to the singularity where everyone just knows how good it is. <laughs> and it translates into big bank accounts. Not even any advertisements for it anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. You don't even have to like our <laughs> posts on social media. <laughs> oh, we're sad. Um, Fox always said that the product itself was the key to success. Like LA Meekly. <laughs> Look, I told you you were going to get uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm without a chair and now I'm you're trying to distract you're you. doing abercrombie and fitch poses now. i'm doing burt reynolds centerful playgirl <laughs> and while there was a lot of comparisons to be made between the orange bang and its fellow la made uncle the orange julius Boo, the that's old stories <laughs> everybody throw your tomatoes now at my face <laughs> throw the banana cream pies that you've been waiting for keep the oranges he could use those the two never considered themselves to be competitors right because they're not No, they're not. To start, the Orange Bang is way sweeter than the Orange Julius. And the Julius is made in a blender while the Bang is made in his signature frothing dispensers. But the most important difference is that the Orange Julius was found only in an Orange Julius. Like, you, if you want an Orange Julius, you had to go to an Orange Julius or a Dairy Queen. The Orange Bang could be found anywhere. But as successful as it was, just a Bang of Orange wasn't the end of the line. By the early 80s, Fox began experimenting with other types of Bang with the Pina Colada Bang Mm -hmm. and the Straw bang but then came the unbanged fruits pink lemonade yep. that's a fruit right mango punch orange non-bang mm-hmm. lemon peach grape cranberry and raspberry i don't mess with that then the, no who what when an orange bang is right there i'm not getting cranberry oh yeah no no okay the debate is what do i have a uti <laughs> and so even, what, maybe i do <laughs> maybe i do i'm still gonna drink an orange bang <laughs> i'll worry about the uti later i want an orange bang <laughs> when i'm peeing out the orange bang <laughs> when i'm peeing a bunch of sewing needles frothy, out frothy sewing needles <laughs> the debate is never between any of the other orange bangs it's always like orchata or orange bang okay. that's the, okay. that's well, the hey, final fight let me get to that okay then they added a game changer yet again with their olay line of drinks yeah. serving jamaica tamarindo and orchata which i'm with you i yeah. would argue that is just as iconic as the orange it bang is. is yeah that is a full-on like hands on my hips they're waiting for me to finish the order yeah. i'm just like yeah. oh i don't know can you mix them together Your no 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 never it's already never. burnt yeah <laughs> it's like a pepsi and coke yeah. thing within one company yes they're yeah. both delicious yeah and fox attributes a lot of his sustained success to the latino population of la who mm-hmm. took to the ole line of flavors like yeah. you and me <laughs> like you and people who think i am <laughs> like people who think that i am and people who you think you are people who see my last name and think one thing and then they see your skin and think another thing <laughs> Orange bangs. I mean, yeah, they were burger spot places, but also like Mexican food places yes. were yeah. like little burrito yeah, that, shacks. Those are the burrito places, burger places. Yeah. Like those, that's where you're going to find an orange Counters. Bang. Order at the counter places. Yeah, order at the counter places. All the drinks use all natural ingredients and the bangs use real fruit juice, eggs, wa- egg, eggs whites, and non-fat milk. And apparently they were the first drinks to introduce liquid concentrates for whipped beverages and bottles, which is something I don't understand. I don't, I don't know, but I'm proud. They had a local competitor for a while in Orange Whip, which came out of oh commerce, yeah which for a, a while it was like a regional coke versus pepsi but yeah. of local frothy orange drinks but i don't think orange whip can still be found anywhere and i challenge any of you to prove me wrong but yeah yeah i remember orange whip also but it, like well, yeah. why am i gonna get an orange whip i remember being i i guess i have no memories i know that it was sold and i saw the words i thought okay yeah. but i have no memory of 
ta- the no, way I have orange yeah. bang. Why would I get a? Let's put down Shasta again. Why would I get a Shasta when there's a Coke dispenser? Okay, it right? was funny for the intro. <laughs> I won't allow it here, please. Thank that you. That was under the guise of satire. Yeah, you. I can't criminally charge you because it was falls under the arts. But this is serious talk. Please don't do that. This podcast is technically not considered art, so people have made that very clear because uh, the singularity and all that. People very much don't consider this comedy, so it can't fall under the arts. But just like the guy who created it, the Orange Bang wasn't content to stay only in LA. It started being sold- banging across this country. He banged his way. <laughs> he banged his way to land. Chicago. He, ba- <laughs> he banged in Biloxi. I can't think of a single another B play. He, he banged in Buffalo. In Boston. <laughs> he banged. He banged. It started being sold nationwide, and in its prime in the '80s, they were selling about six hundred thousand cups of Orange Bang a day, all to her, his daughter, and their friends. <laughs> <laughs> they were addicted. Now. <laughs> they could not stop. We forgot to mention it's addicting, <laughs> and you don't sell six hundred thousand cups of anything a day without Pepsi noticing. Pepsi almost bought Orange Bang, but it didn't work out. But you you don't almost get bought by Pepsi without coca-cola noticing yes. and that was a problem that's like oh i'm getting chased by a star cruiser not a big deal and then you fall under the death stars <laughs> that's no corporation that's <laughs> no, that's no friendly corporation that's the mickey mouse of sodas <laughs> which again we're right by right. we're recording in the same park we're right by disney again <laughs> so i'm the coca-cola that's so much orange bang here me i like to drink proprietary disney fluids <laughs> which coca-cola is like a, a constant villain through all three of my stories yeah or at least two of them there's no better testament to how well orange bang was doing at the time than the fact that coca-cola was afraid of orange bang right yeah the clinking the bottles in the factory (laughs) they were so afraid that one year at the national restaurant convention in chicago coca-cola representatives were handing out pamphlets called how to compete against orange bang wow they were that concerned that this was like like well they've been afraid of nothing and all of a sudden like this one might this might be the one that kills me they've been a steamroller and orange bang is a huge pothole you can't steamroll a pothole (laughs) coca-cola even went so far as to make restaurants who sold coca-cola products sign a contract saying that if they sold coke products they could not also sell competitors which was taken to mean you can't sell orange bang oh if you're is selling that why Coca-Cola. i can't go to a five-star restaurant and get orange bang is yeah. that why yeah that's why <laughs> sure the five-star restaurant wants to draw as few comparisons as possible to tony's charbroil <laughs> burger number four on Zapovita boulevard they both begrudgingly make me burgers what's the problem <laughs> they both look at me where when i ask for too much ketchup <laughs> so fox took it to mean yeah oh they're targeting me specifically yeah. so he took legal action against coca-cola alleging they staged a cabal to stunt orange bang from really ascending to that coke pepsi level of yeah. soda stardom the judge came in wiping soda off his lips <laughs> he's gassy <laughs> anyways coke whatever they want I like to <laughs> that's his ringtone uh, i don't know how the lawsuit ended but i do know orange bang never reached that level and coca-cola is doing just fine yeah. so i think coca-cola won but the biggest legal battle orange bang had to face revolved not around the drink itself but the machine that it came out of oh you no. just put your sunglasses on when i said the biggest battle it's ever had to face yep and then you clicked Here he a button is. <laughs> and pyrotechnics no. are going on. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. She. Bang, bang, bang. I don't know why, but all three of my stories revolve around lawsuits. That's weird. Which is kind of interesting. Like, I was not expecting the stories to go that way, but yeah. they're all, like, interesting lawsuits. That's so funny. The orange bang machines that I remember as a kid were iconic. Yeah. If you, do you, you remember yeah, them? Yeah, I remember them, yeah. They had a big glass, con- for all the, the post-9-11 children <laughs> listening to Who us. don't even remember terror on that day. <laughs> They'll never understand waiting for the Saturday Night Live that week. What are they going to talk about? Rudy Giuliani was a shiny 
beacon of hope at one They'll point. They'll never understand how much we used to look up to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> They'll just never get it. You know, it's funny. I was looking through my stuff and I guess I had like sent a letter to Rudy Giuliani. Oh my God. And I found in my closet when I was looking through my stuff, like Rudy Giuliani, a letter from Rudy Giuliani's office. He, su- he thanks you so much for your support. Oh, you're never ending support no matter what you do. <laughs> and that's binding. <laughs> See you at the upholstery See at the four- store. <laughs> <laughs> See you at the Four Seasons. So for, for those who don't remember, they had yes. a big glass container on the top that showed the drink being continuously slushed yes. around. And then there was a dispenser oh, that you got it out of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's making me so thirsty. Oh, but God. The, here's the thing. Like, you could, you could order, like, a small orange bang and be fine. But if you're like, I want an orange bang so bad, yeah. I want a medium or a large, yeah. you're not going to finish no, that no, orange no. It's a filling drink. It's so, uh, yeah. yeah. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. And, and it's, it's something you have it. with, like, a side thing. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to get fries and maybe some onion yes. rings. I'll yeah. have Do not bang. order a hamburger yeah, and an don't orange bang. Yeah. <laughs> Double cheeseburger. <laughs> Can I get the quiche Laurent and a orange bang at my five-star restaurant? Yeah, I'll have half a chicken. Roasted fingerling potatoes. And a, uh, f- and, and a tall orange bang. Yeah, asparagus, amandine, and yeah, an orange bang. <laughs> or, or should I have. get the horchata? <laughs> this type of dispenser is called a bubbler. But it was bubbler? not, it was not, yeah, bubbler. It was not unique to orange bang, though. It had been around for other drinks because seeing the liquid in that transparent container was proven to get more people to buy the drink you were selling. So a mm-hmm. lot of companies use that. The problem was those bubblers had to be cleaned every single day or else the drink would go rotten. Oh, wow. Solution, clean it every day. Problem, nobody wants to do that. So restaurant workers wouldn't be cleaning them and the drinks in them would start going bad and looking like you'd see like mold and stuff. Yeah. So Fox's solution to this problem in the mid 80s was to invent a version of this that took up less space and was easier to clean so Orange Bank would never be sold rotten to people. However... A challenger entered the fray, the nefarious imposter known as Juicy Whip. I don't even know who that is, but I'm mad. I, I, you might be thinking, when you're thinking of Orange Whip, you might be thinking of Juicy Whip. Because okay. they, were, they were around also. I remember them. They're based in Laverne and mostly do Laverne. Laverne. And they mostly do Archata and Tamarindo, but they were also selling their drinks in bubblers around town. And I hate to give it to them. They came up with a way better solution okay. to the cleaning problem. Just drink it all. <laughs> Sell it all. Be better salesman. What's the problem? Instead of having the actual drink inside the bubbler, the machine would work just like a regular soda machine with the drink and pouches inside or whoever that's done. And a clear bubbler would sit on the top of that churning what looked like the drink you were about to buy, but it was actually just water dyed the color of the drink you're about to oh. buy. And never, it never had to be clean. Wow, that's clever. So you weren't actually drinking that, but you were getting the drink you thought you were drinking. Oh, well done. Juicy whip, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, I've changed the alliances. Yeah. My tongue is realigning now from a bank to a whip. Two very uh, aggressive ways. Ooh, what's a lemon kick to the mouth? That's good. <laughs> a strawberry football to the groin. My favorite summer drink. Oh, a Chevy drop house. Could I order a chocolate drive-by? And- <laughs> so, well done, Juicy Whip. You misled countless children all around LA. They called this the Tower Max, and they got a patent for it on November 19th, 1996, and the next day, they sued Orange Bang. Whoa. Why? Yeah. Because Orange Bang also started using this much better version of Bubbler at around the same time they did, but Fox claimed that he had invented it in 1988, but didn't feel it was patentable because it was basically it's the same thing as designs that already existed. Okay. So he thought he had the right to use this. Yeah. Juicy Whip. Yeah. <laughs> That's their lawyer walking uh, through the door. Uh, their Texan lawyer. <laughs> the judge uh, also doesn't have a gavel. He has a whip too. <laughs> Order! Order! <laughs> 
I will lasso this <laughs> whole courtroom. Get on, little doggy. Get on, little Jerry. <laughs> so Orange Bang was back in court, and he looked great. And it should be noted, Juicy Whip had been distributing thousands of these bubblers for Powerade and High C, who were owned by, you guessed it, oh no, Coca-Cola. Monster. And this legal battle lasted for nine years. First, a U.S. district court in L.A. found that Orange Bang was, in fact, infringing on Juicy Whip's patent, but that their patent wasn't valid to begin with. Oh. Then two years later, the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals- It's just a bunch of sketch drawings. It's like when George Romero thought he could put the copyright logo on the title screen and that covered it. They're like, no, there's paperwork. I could mail this DVD to myself (laughs) and I'm fine. Two years later, the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. reversed this decision. Then there was another trial in L.A. where Juicy Whip was awarded $750,000 in unpaid royalties from Orange Bang. But then Juicy Whip took it even further in 2005 and got another $440,000 in lost damages from Orange Bang, which ended the legal battle once and for all. It cost both sides millions of dollars in legal fees. And one of the judges said, instead of behaving like rational business competitors, Juicy Whip and Orange Bang have allowed their emotions to reign. This was a run-of-the-mill patent case, which assumed mythical proportions (laughs) only in the minds of the parties. No! (laughs) Oh, that hurts. That hurts me and this is long done. You delude Delusional <laughs> juice sellers. It's juice. We could both agree. Everyone agrees that it's a no, juice. Mine's whip. Um, I got bad. <laughs> I trademarked all automatopias. Um, justifying why he did all this, Fox simply said, we had to defend ourselves. Yeah, okay. So, Orange Bang... It's like, uh, do you want an Orange Hatfield or Orange McCoy? Which one sounds good to you? <laughs> so, Orange Bang, from then on, was barred from selling their drinks in clear bubblers, which is why now you'll see them in regular soda dispensers with a lit up Orange Bang logo on top of it. That's right. how you'll see them, like a circular sort of thing, shaped like an orange, I guess. Orange Bang Inc. is still going strong. Their factory is at one. 13115 Telfar Avenue in Silmar, right across the five from the reservoir, which is really as I've been saying to everybody on 4chan, the reservoir is filled with Orange Bank. The 4chan thinks that it's code somehow run by QAnon. I don't know. I'm just talking about Orange Bank <laughs> Reservoir. I'm just talking about frothy orange Yeah, drinks. it's not an allusion to Trump, I swear. The exact recipe and how it's done is kept a secret, but we do know that the drinks are made in eight-foot-tall vats that can hold 1,500 gallons of frothy heaven. Oof. Pre-COVID, they were doing about 6.5 million a year in sales, but that was cut in half over the past year. Yeah, and a lot of these small, casual places they were sold and went out of business completely. So oh, who knows okay. You know, yeah. who knows what's going to happen to them. Fox himself is still involved in the company and he's I think 95 years old right now. Did that make a face when he said 95? I didn't mean I don't I don't believe in ageism but <laughs> you made a face and then slicked your hair back and started doing a yo-yo saying I'm so young I'm so young forever I'll young. live forever. As long as I drink orange bangs. Um, he used to run it all with his wife and two of his daughters but it seems now mostly uh, that it's run today by his daughter Terry. Uh, he used to drive around town with a license plate that said Mr. Bang oh and his God. wife said Mrs. Bang. <laughs> yes. All of this I'm okay with. He was always being followed by a car that said Senior Whip. <laughs> he believes the main reason Orange Bang has survived so long is because it was in so many different unconnected small places, yes. local places, rather than only being sold in one giant chain of restaurants that would have dragged him down with them had they gone under. Therefore, had a like a secret treat quality to it. Like, oh, this place has Orange Bang, so when you saw it, you got yeah. excited, as yeah. opposed to expecting it all the time. Yeah, so as long as Orange Bang is sold in even one small charbroil burger place, they will always live on until Juicy Whip makes them stop. <laughs> until Coca-Cola finally gets its head <laughs> together and crushes them. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's Orange Bang, it's something I never thought about 
about before that, but it's such a specifically local thing. Yeah, which I guess it's in other places. I mean, I didn't know that it was. I've never local, seen. So. I've never seen it anywhere else. But oh, you've been to other places. I've been to at least two other places. Yeah, I've been to. I've been to Barstow. I accidentally went to Arizona one time, so <laughs> they didn't have it at the Sorbonne when <laughs> I was in France. So you know the Sorbonne. The Louvre didn't have it for some reason, <laughs> and I asked everybody. Bonglorange. <laughs> Could I get an order of Bonglorange? If it was called that, it would have for sure been in a French restaurant today. It would have been served in a champagne glass or something. <laughs> Could I get the um, the pot au feu and uh, bon laurent? <laughs> but yeah, it's delicious. It, it's yeah. so good. But yeah, it's it's uh, every once in a while sort of treat. Yeah. It'll get you. So what what do you have for us? I'm maybe talking about a little innocent company who's just trying to <laughs> just make try. a couple bucks in this crazy world. <laughs> no matter who they have to sue. And an insane building in our midst. I'm going to be talking about the Coke boat, or it's, <laughs> or as it's traditionally called, the Coca-Cola building at 1334 South Central Avenue. Older papers freely called it the Coke boat long before Wolf of Wall Street. The Coke boat. What I do in the bathroom of flappers. <laughs> Being on any boat with Joe Rogan. The Coke boat. <laughs> the name of Joe Rogan's yacht. <laughs> if you aren't familiar with the Coca-Cola building, let me describe it to you. It's a large ocean liner themed building built in the middle of industrial downtown yeah. Los Angeles. It's a, what, streamlined modernity? It's a, one of the many streamlined modern marvels in los angeles that stems from the 1930s and it's astounding that we have been allowed to keep it intact for as long as we have yeah well i guess you'll get into it but is it still like churning out coke they're not a bottling plant. am i still churning out coke if i drink a bunch of coke do i pee pepsi <laughs> that's how you make pepsi Did i say that Just my peed out coke <laughs> my godfather my nino worked for when i was growing up seven up so i went to the seven up bottling plant when i was a Grow kid up seven up he worked for heads up seven up big heads up seven up uh, he worked for seven up when i was growing up so i went to a bottling plant when i was a kid and he gave me a bunch of the tops the silver uh, whatever they're called. So I got a bunch of those just like spare push rings. But I remember walking on the plant and the, the floor was sticky everywhere. <laughs> I remember that. And then he, he left there and I think he worked for Coke afterwards. Trader. It was, real, it was a heartbreak because I loved 7-Up. And he's like, I'm going to work for Coke now. I'm like, oh, I like Coke less. <laughs> Can you stop being my godfather? <laughs> so let's go back and talk about the man behind the Coke boat, the Coca-Cola, the Cola cruise ship, if you were. The architect is one Robert Dara of Salt Lake City. Just before he worked on the Coke, a place that won't allow Coke. They won't allow Coke. any kind of Coke. Any pick one, and they won't allow it. Just before he worked on the Coca Cola building, he designed the cross. Okay, his other thing. Just before he worked on the Coca Cola building, he designed the Crossroads of the World in Hollywood. Oh, really? One of the first open air malls in the country. Crossroads of the World was owned by Alec Crawford, wife of the notorious gangster type Charles Crawford, the Great right. Wolf, who was gunned down in a restaurant on that lot, and then she built the crossroads of the world <laughs> this guy designed that's it. his tombstone yeah those are two uh impressive buildings very impressive and very different so he has like a, yeah. his, his portfolio has a good look to it <laughs> i could do this or i could do this we're, we're all about ship. resumes and portfolios yeah. right now. i think doesn't the crossroads kind of have a ship theme to it too? it does i think the windows are kind of like, like curved and bubbly like yeah that. like portholes or something your portal stop not in front of everybody in front of all my friends the dog <laughs> and that kid <laughs> the rabbit squirrel yeah <laughs> robert darrow was born in slc in april of 1895 that's all slc Salt Lake City. Oh. They remember they only the C stands for Coke, remember? <laughs> Dara was the son of a prominent railroad man, S. V. Dara, who worked at the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad. The V stands for Coke. <laughs> the Denver also somehow stands for Coke. I don't know how. Uh Robert's aunt was also a well known Texas railroad woman named Avery Turner, who was an executive at the Santa Fe Railroad. And their her and her husband's house is like per, one of those like preserved spots in Texas that you can go visit now. Like the Alamo. Like the Alamo, yeah. But anyways, her nephew came to LA 
and made a big ship in the middle of downtown. Dara was a graduate of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Harvard, receiving degrees in architecture from both of them. So he comes Shut to Los up. Angeles in 1924 at the age of 29 and quickly establishes his architecture firm, Dara and Associates in Beverly Hills, where he also lives on Smithwood Drive, uh, not too far from Roxbury Park. I wrote that down. I looked it up. No idea what that means. You looked it up and you just found Night at the Roxbury? His name is attached to many famous buildings in Los Angeles, not necessarily the chief architect, but his name is sort of like attached in different ways. The Acme Brewery in Vernon, which is closed, the Southern California Gas Company number one building at 800 Flower Street, uh, and some unconfirmed buildings, which he may have had something to do with. I'm not quite sure, but the sound stages at RKO Studios, his name's attached to that. The early Disney animation building on Hyperion, Charlie Chaplin's house, the Wilshire Brown Derby, and he also, also he had a patent for a juice squeezer. Do you know anything about this? No. He had a patent for he a did. juice squeezer. I know who can sue him about no, that, though. I know, I know a certain judge would take umbrage <laughs> with him. But it seems like his first big project was for Stanley Barbie, president of the Coca-Cola Company of Southern California. That's confusing. That's like, nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm, to use Yo-Yo again, I'm Dennis Yo-Yo. Yeah. I make slinkies. I'm Joseph G.I. Joe. <laughs> I am G.I. Joseph. <laughs> G. I. Joseph. <laughs> and I sell hula hoops. <laughs> For those who need a one-sentence refresher, in 1886, a pharmacist, Dr. John Pepperton, sold the first glass of Coca-Cola in Jacob's Pharmacy in downtown Atlanta. And by 1892, the Coca-Cola Company was founded and since then has tried to take over the world. One soda with cocaine <laughs> in it at a time. One lawsuit against a much smaller company at a time. <laughs> and that's how you amass wealth. You build an octopus-type corporation in America and you just crush everything. And then people in other countries are like, I want to I wanna go to America. <laughs> I thought, I'd love to go to America. Ford. Now, the bottling building at 1334 South Central Avenue at the corner of 14th and South Central dates back to 1915, but Stanley Barbie was looking to renovate and consolidate the four existing buildings. There was a brick office building, a production warehouse, and then like a various other warehouse buildings and he wanted to put them all into one structure. So after Stanley Barbie saw the marvelous crossroads of the world's design, he knew he wanted Dara for the Coca-Cola building. So it was already a building but he like slapped a boat on it? Yeah, it it was four buildings. See, I kind of know what the inside looks like. I'm pretty sure it's not like a boat and then four buildings inside. I'm pretty sure he's like, okay, knock these buildings down, let's consolidate them into one. Let's try to reconfigure things and put it all into one big boat that won't go near the water. You're gonna need a bigger boat building. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. Um, Man goes into Coke, Coke, (laughs) Coke, in the bottle. Coke goes into body. Pepsi comes out of body. <laughs> Anyways, both Crossworlds and the Coca-Cola building were both done in 1936, which is crazy okay. that we got the two yeah. big landmarks that are still around today, but the same person in the same year. Both landmarks, by the way, that don't get a lot of You're respect. Right. Co- yeah. Crossroads of the World gets... Cro- what did I it's say? On Crossworlds tours. of the Words? Yeah. Crossroads of the Puzzle? They get more because they're in Halt. They're like right there. So it's like a tourist stop, but I don't see people walking through it as much. No, but like what tourist is driving by this neighborhood? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people stumble upon it like, what? <laughs> Was there like a tsunami? Is this the Queen Mary? <laughs> so why an ocean liner? What, what does bottling Coca-Cola have to do with a boat or the ocean or the sea? Many think the design is humorous and lump it in with a wacky Southern oh, California. Oh, like they think about us. Yeah. Like people think about us without saying. Exactly. They, they look at us and they're like, oh, humorous. They think. Mm. Mm. Humorous. <laughs> not impractical. Humorous. It's all satire. They're satyrs. The they're not satirical. They're satyrs. <laughs> so people lump it in the Coca-Cola building with like the California. It's called programmatic themed architecture that right. we love. Like the idle hour is like a big barrel yeah. or the big tamale that we talked about. The donut's a big donut. Donut's a big donut. Um, <laughs> big donut. <laughs> the building, here's the thing with the Coca-Cola building. It is that. 
right? Yeah. But also, what if it was a giant Coca-Cola bottle? I thought about that, or like on its side, but like the tallest building in the oh, world, yeah. and it was a Coca-Cola and it bottle. Also, like had like a tallest thermometer in the world too. <laughs> the condensation caused like <laughs> flooding of neighborhoods. Sewer rats dying all the time. It is like that wacky programmatic architecture. It is that, but also it's one of the most elegantly designed examples of streamlined architecture. Right. And but because of that, it exists in the middle area. It's too beautiful to be a Route 66 roadside architecture thing, and it's also too wacky and fun to be like the Richfield building or the Pan Pacific yeah. Auditorium. It's right in the middle. Yeah. Again, like us, right in the middle. Between elegantly designed and <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Between practical and impractical. Not only is the line blurry, we've blurred everything around us too. <laughs> We're the giant dog smoking a pipe that sells chili of podcasts. We're like the painting of the dogs playing poker, but by like Picasso. So it's sort of like, it's a work of art, but oh. <laughs> Picasso's version of dogs playing poker, <laughs> which is for some reason now a painting we bring up in every single episode. Yeah, it's it's now why. taking, now that we've talked about the riots, we could bring up something else. It's our new through line through all the episodes. <laughs> so we come back to the original question. So why an ocean liner? Mm. There is no documentation from Darrow or Barbie regarding this, but in 1985, Robert 1985? Darrow, 1985? Great Scott. Robert Darrow's daughter, Betty Dara Jensen, wrote into the LA Times to clarify. My dad liked boats. <laughs> it's like a full page. Ad. My dad watched every episode of The Love Boat and loved it. She wrote in because at some point someone had speculated that they chose the ocean liner because it lent the company to the image of purity. So she yeah. sent a. I don't know. Like, <laughs> when are boats. Like, do you know how the ocean works? <laughs> Have they lived through coronavirus? <laughs> she sent a letter into the LA Times, which they published, correcting this. She said, first and foremost, that Stanley Barber was a weekend sailor. Mm. When and a midnight toker. The Joker's back. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a first name? When Barbie and Stanley Barbie, I keep saying his first name and his last name because I don't want you to get me. When Stanley Barbie asked Dara to suggest something for the design that would represent the utmost in cleanliness, Dara replied, an ocean liner, which is a weird thing to say, but okay. Is that true? I've never been on an ocean liner before. They seem kind of dirty. I mean, swab the poop deck and all that. Yeah. That's that, a way to clean it. God, 91 episodes, you've been dying to say that this whole time. But he says an ocean liner and Barbie, Stanley Barbie, but Stanley Barbie, the weekend sailor. Come on, Barbie. Let's go. Let's go disco. I forget how that song goes. Come on, Barbie. Let's go Pepsi. <laughs> Nay. Nay. Let's no. go Coca-Cola. <laughs> but Stanley Barbie, the weekend sailor and boat lover, must have loved that idea when, when he replied that. And like that, we have a Coca-Cola bottling plant in industrial downtown Los Angeles looking like an ocean liner. As one LA writer put it, Dara and Barbie, avid yachtsmen, decided a ship motif would project the attributes which Coca-Cola sought to promote. Modernity, cleanliness, and progress. Modernity, modernity Pfizerdity, Johnson & Johnsonity. <laughs> AstraZeneca entity. Say it again. <laughs> no, you got it. Cut modernity, or is it modern? Yeah, modernity. We've, we've heard the term moderna too many times. Yeah, when my brain is just like, give it to me. Modernity, cleanliness, and progress. Sure, I'll uh, buy it, and I will also buy Coke. Oh no, from doubt. a guy in the bathroom at Flappers. Yeah, <laughs> Flappers, who is insisting that it's going to make me funnier. Look at me. I haven't described the building yet other than it's an ocean liner. So I went to the Society of Architectural Historians website. So they they had a really good description of it. So I'll read it. Dara used reinforced concrete for the new facade with simulated river around the curved entryways and double rows of porthole windows that mimic an ocean liner. The flat roof is ornamented with a metal catwalk and railing. A Coca-Cola sign is expertly placed on the landlocked ship's bridge. The entire 150 by 200 foot 
four-story high ship is painted nautically white or nautical white nautical with a street-level waterline band of black and an elegant narrow horizontal band of red a yard higher. The building's nautical theme is continued inside with lavish I've seen pictures it's great. Inside with lavish details such as mahogany flooring and handrails. Actual ship ventilators they brought actual ship ventilators mm. brass ladders and fittings as well as the steel ship doors that lead to offices complete with a Hollywood style simul. Simulacrum. 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 I know that word. I don't know what that word means. You know enough to correct me, but I that's know. about it. I know enough to make other people think <laughs> I'm smart by making them feel dumb. I know the Necronomicon. <laughs> it was a remodeled and expanded, and I believe in the mid-60s and again in the 70s, but bigger bottling operations were moved out of that building and downtown LA and headed towards Downey and San Diego. In 2002, an article mentioned that the Central Avenue facility was still producing soft drinks in 2-liter and 20-ounce plastic bottles, so it's still an active building. Building, okay. although it's kind of like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I never see anyone go in or out, but they tell me that it's still going. You, you didn't enter the contest to find uh, the golden Coke, where you buy a bottle of Coke, and if it comes out yellow, you either won or lost. Yeah, you find them on the freeway exits. Yeah, you just pick them up on the side of freeway exits, and if that Coke bottle comes out yellow, you get the keys to the factory. <laughs> the Coca-Cola bottling plant is not open to the public, not even for tours, but it's clearly visible. But from we the street. see smoke coming out of the chimney. Yeah, and if a man comes up to you in an alleyway, trust him. <laughs> Which is basically a Coca-Cola Pepsi story. Yeah. He's going to come up to you. He's going to stop you. Somehow he knows that you won. He's going to lean in and he's going to say, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. <laughs> it was designated a Los Angeles Historical Cultural Monument in 1975. So please take a trip down Central Avenue, not only for jazz, not only for history, but to see an ocean liner. <laughs> to see a boat in the middle of a city. <laughs> There's something, I mean, you know, Coca-Cola, ice cold Coke, a boat, iceberg, Titanic. Right. But something bad's going to happen. Uh, the connections are clear as day. And they, and they say, I'm having a premonition. I've been speaking in tongues. <laughs> and they keep they calling know? it the unsinkable building. <laughs> Prove it. The unsinkable company. They keep saying that to me. Oh, yeah? Well, I have my friend Guy Fox over here. I forget his first name. I have Guy Fox from Orange Bang over here. <laughs> let's all put on our David Fox masks <laughs> and take down Coke once and for all. So that's been the innocent little company that's Coca-Cola in their building. <laughs> and boy, are they great. And we won't hear anything bad about them for the rest of this episode. That's a very LA thing of like, we're going to sell Coca-Cola yeah. and it's going to be shaped like something that doesn't apply to yeah. it. Par for, of course, with Are you going to put it in a hip part of town? No. One of the <laughs> scariest, <laughs> grimiest parts of town, right outside of the Flower District. It's a nice building to have around. It is surprising that it's still there, but yeah. as long as Coke is produced yeah. in there, no yeah. one's going to Oh, they knocked it. down that Disney building is words you'll never hear. Yeah. So here we go to my to my next one. Mm, pop. Mm-hmm. Bop, pop. Dot, mm, pop. That's a Minnesota cover band of Hanson singing about Hanson's soda, <laughs> which is what I'm going to be talking I'm gonna about. I'm going to go. You could do this by yourself. I don't care. I cannot sit next is to you. Is that a Hanson song? <laughs> so this is a story about the soda anyone who is trying to diet in the 90s remembers <laughs> that has a twist ending that I never saw coming. You're not going to believe how this story ends. You okay. will not believe it. Okay. And no, it isn't a twist of lime. The story of Hanson's. Hanson's soda. You're never going to see that. I could not believe what okay. I was reading. You're never going to see this Okay. Coming. I've officially strapped into my serape, yeah. so we're... <laughs> Buckle up your serape. <laughs> the story of Hansen's begins with a man named Hubert Hansen. Apparently, nothing is known about this man. I bet you you're going to be like, oh, his last name was Holmes. Hubert Hansen Holmes. He built a castle in Chicago. Have you heard of him? Uh, originally, it wasn't soda he was drinking. <laughs> he made soda by mistake by boiling someone's hand in acid. He's like, I could drink this. <laughs> this is delicious. Good thing the World Fair's right down the street. <laughs> Apparently, nothing is known about this man other than that in 1935 he opened a juice he opened a castle um he opened a juice stand called hansen's fruit and vegetable juices that he ran with 
his three sons. Okay. Which was his sitcom. Three sons who formed Hanson? My three blonde sons. <laughs> Eventually, it was just called Hanson's Juices and then the Fresh Juice Company of California. But whatever he called it, he was slinging juice. Yeah. They had your orange, your apple, carrot, strawberry, and banana. But what he really had was a great location because he was right near the studios in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So his main clientele were people who worked in the studios. Right. So like Clark Gable comes by. Right. Give me some banana. Uh, Factor <laughs> comes by, barely speaking English. But that was the worst Clark Gable impression. Or- it wasn't good, but also I can't remember what... Clark Gable Neither sounds can I. like. So maybe it is a Frankly, good impression. Frankly, my dear. Frankly, my dear. I don't like carrot juice. <laughs> so that influential customer base, you know, you're, uh, let, let's think of another celebrity who would come in in 1935. Let's see. You got a Myrna Loy. You got a William Powell. Those are my two. Judy Garland would come by mm-hmm. and she'd, she'd be shaking from hysteria. She'd be shaking it and then she'd get an apple juice and then the head of MGM would come by <laughs> and knock it out of her hand and say, what did I tell you? Where's your watcher? Where's Eddie Mannix right now? Where are those munchkins? <laughs> so that influential customer base and his innovative combining of different juice flavors gave Hansen a certain degree of success that allowed him to open his own juice-making plant in LA in 1946, which allowed him to make 35,000 gallons of juice a week, which allowed him to market his juice nationwide. So he was selling juice nationwide. This same plant was still in use until 1993 when they moved to Azusa which okay. is a city that keeps coming up and I keep, for some reason, not pronouncing it right. It's Azu- Azusa. 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 It. It's not hard. Azusa. John Philip Souza. <laughs> I got it. However, this is not quite the Hanson you're familiar with. Uh-huh. No, I am going to talk to you about the band. Yeah. Hubert's fine, but have you tried the guy who sounds like an evil twin of Jim Henson, Tim Hanson? In 1997, Tim Hanson, who is Hubert's grandson, branched off from the main Hansen brand to start Hansen Foods. Okay. He was still selling fruit juices, mostly apple, but he was packaging and pasteurizing them so that they could sit on a shelf in a store and say fresh, which was a game changer for the Hansen juice family. Like they could be sold on a store like yeah. weeks later now. But not even that was as big as the next big things to come to the Hansen name, soda. Okay. Soda pop. Carbonated beverage. Carbonated. A word that Coca-Cola is going to sue us for saying. <laughs> you didn't say bubbly, did you? I'll see you in court. <laughs> you didn't burp, did you? <laughs> You've been served. Let me smell it. Yeah, yeah, you're in trouble. Tim Hansen decided to step away from juice and launch the Hansen's natural sodas line with flavors like cherry vanilla, root beer, ginger ale, kiwi, strawberry, orange, cola, not Coca-Cola, grapefruit, key lime, mandarin lime, pomegranate, vanilla, cola. This was around the early 80s and they became known for their flavors, but also their marketing campaigns and their packaging, but all the fruit flavoring and razzle-dazzle still wasn't enough to cut it against the big boys. And in 1988, the company went bankrupt. Okay, Their factory was bought by Tropicana, and then in January 1990, they themselves were bought by California Co-Packers Corporation, so the Hanson Soda lived on. And then they were given the second of their three lives by the almighty savior who comes for us all, health food trends from the 90s. Yes. Oh, my. Oh, yes, baby. They, they got us to do anything. Cue our 90s montage. Oh, my God. Here's what I've got. Britney Spears looks like a child and is singing in a red room. The Blink-182 album cover with the nurse putting on a glove. Tommy Pickle squirts his bottle at the camera. O.J. Simpson's in the news. <laughs> Pogs. Enough for touchdowns this time. <laughs> he touched down a little too hard. <laughs> it was more than just a touch. Pogs. The first 150 Pokemon invade Iraq. The Northridge <laughs> earthquake makes me wet the bed. Matt Zombo will not leave me alone. And yes, America can smell what the rock is cooking. Rollerblading and, and pastel colors. Nirvana is <laughs> the biggest thing ever for a little bit. For a little. Nirvana's going strong until it isn't. <laughs> Flannel. Curly, gross, wet hair. Tom Hanks. Just <laughs> unimpeachable. Several different clips from Sabbath 
sabotage the Beastie Boys music video and we're caught up. <laughs> That's the 90s, everybody. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you snuck in a couple early 2000s, which is, I mean, you were like a little baby by then. I was a full grown man. So. What was the early 2000s? Name one. I think Blink-182 is early 2000s. No way. They started in the 90s. They had to. I don't know when Dude Ranch came out. Look, I'll take you to court on this, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure Blink-182 started in the 90s. I'll give you cut off 1999. That's good enough for me. I take it. And I'm counting 2000 as the 90s. <laughs> uh, it's a whole millennium thing. It's the ni- 91st episode. So early on in the 90s, eating natural, healthy, yeah. quote unquote, food became once again the big trend and that extended to beverages. Zima. Zima. <laughs> Make mine a Zima. Was that the? I know from a bunch of movies where people in clubs like make mine. Yeah, I'll have a Zima, but that's Zima. how you knew he's a douchebag because he has a ponytail. Yeah, we're back to Night at the Roxbury, <laughs> which might have been early two thousand. <laughs> you tell me Will Ferrell's in it, and I don't believe you, and I have to be like, oh yeah. <laughs> You're forgetting Chris Kattan, Greg, which <laughs> could also Chris- be added to the nineties montage. Chris, I could have just said, and welcome Chris to the nineties, Chris Kattan <laughs> and Chris Kattan. <laughs> so everyone wants healthy food. This they they all want their Zima. <laughs> this paved the way for the rise of what were known as new age drinks. Okay. That basically meant any healthy sounding alternative to Coke or Pepsi, even if they weren't actually healthy. Your iced teas, your flavored waters, and of course, your natural sodas, yeah. That the niche that Hanson's had already carved out for itself. Yeah. This was a godsend for the struggling Hanson's because now everyone wanted their inferior tasting soda because it <laughs> seemed healthier. And I drank a lot of Hanson's Do in the really? 90s. And, uh, not now, but, oh. but like back then, I was drinking a lot of Hanson's. But maybe I was drinking diet Hanson's. That's even worse. That's even, Is that yeah. just like water? It kind of was just like seltzer basically yeah they just shook water really hard and let you drink <laughs> it. they shook water and it bumped up against an orange <laughs> i think maybe the non-diet ones had a better taste but okay. it's a specific taste is that why you're better than me one of the reasons yeah. <laughs> one of many <laughs> reasons and i knew what a simulacrum was pronounced as <laughs> great what is it now nah, we don't have time <laughs> i'm too good to talk about it i'm too sexy for simulacrum <laughs> 90s and hansen's leaned into this by marketing themselves to seem way healthier than they actually were but the other guys put out as much competition as they could to steal the throne from okay. from hansen's coke put out nordic mist do you remember that no, I don't remember. You don't Nordic remember Nordic Mist? Mist? No. It was like a, it was like a Sprite almost. Okay. Pepsi put out Crystal Pepsi, but the king of all the New Age drinks was none other. Can you guess what it was? Knowing what a New Age drink is and what we've been referencing for the past five minutes. Yeah, God, a New Age drink. It would be a healthy sounding thing everyone was drinking in the 90s. I can't think of it. Snapple. Oh my God, you're right. Pop yeah. the top. There's a question yep. or a factoid. Snapple was like, that was the thing. You're like, right. As much diet Hansen's I was, I was drinking, I was drinking way more Snapple. It certainly wasn't drinking Nordic Mist. <laughs> Hansen's marketed itself as a California favorite to further capture the health conscious image that California has. Yeah. And using a healthy seeming region was unique to them. Nordic Mist. Clearly Canadian, which was the sparkling water thing. Yeah deliciously Detroit. No one sold that. No one drank that. Don't sue me, (laughs) Coca-Cola. So this whole gimmick that Hanson's was a healthy soda was working, even though it wasn't actually that healthy it was yeah. soda like it's not huh. yeah. soda isn't healthy no matter what it's soda. rotting your teeth and it's bad for you yeah take that back shut up and take that back <laughs> they were still using high fructose corn syrup all the way until 2008 when the fda said that if you used high fructose corn syrup you can't use the label natural so only then did they switch to cane sugar which still isn't good for you their new but life it is good but it is good for me <laughs> um their new life allowed them to expand in 1993 into the midwest where to make it more appealing to that lifestyle they put a gun in it no i'm thinking of the south <laughs> they put um, a bible in it yeah just fill it with milk and people will, <laughs> people will drink the hell out of that got a floating bible in it so 
little Bible ice cubes. Uh, they started marketing 23-ounce glass bottles of Hanses because out there they like to drink a lot of soda and they like to see it when they drink it. In 1994, they expanded into the UK who kicked them out in 1997 because they didn't like it. And then in 1999, they went to Canada. In July 1994, they doubled down on their health-conscious image and started doing their Equator line of drinks, which were based around having an eco-friendly image with all the proceeds going to Earth Day, whatever that means. That was the name of the CEO. <laughs> that was his dummy account, which they thought would appeal to the younger crowd. It didn't, and that didn't last long. Then in late 1995, they released their smoothie drinks, if you remember oh, those. Not really. They were like canned smoothies. Uh, Hanson's? Hanson's canned smoothies? Hanson's smoothies. No two words put together with such poetry than canned smoothies. <laughs> Nothing just incites your taste buds. <laughs> just pop in an aluminum <laughs> container full of chunked fruit. <laughs> Nothing sounds more delicious when than When it gets that. warm, it tastes like vomit. <laughs> Or it feels like vomit re-entering your <laughs> which, mouth. Which I think I might have had in the 90s in like an emergency backpack. was yeah. like a can because it's like, that'll keep you full. Ugh. Drink a canned Hanson smoothie. They were not quite as thick as a smoothie, but thick enough to make me nauseous whenever I had one. This gave them a much needed boost in sales because smoothies were also big again at this time. And these had herbal additives in them like Snapple did, but were different enough in taste to a Snapple. So it was something new for people. Then in early 1997, they started doing what they called functionals, which were drinks that had a lot of added vitamins in them and were marketed specifically for being good for your health. Okay. What these basically were were energy drinks, which brings us to the third incarnation of Hansen's and the insane twist that I was teasing. Okay. Over the next few years, they made more and more of these functionals and came up with new recipes until 2002, they finally hit it. They got their recipe just right. They got just the right energy drink, but the mad scientists up in Hansenstein's castle had gotten so far away from nature with this drink that they had to completely rebrand the whole company of what they were doing. Whoa. This drink was going to be energetic. This drink was going to be extreme. This was going to be a monster. You're kidding me. Hansen Soda had created what they described as the meanest energy supplement on the planet, Monster Energy Drink. Oh my <laughs> Was made God. by what we were drinking in the, that health conscious thing in the 90s. Created That's Monster wild. Energy. It's insane. It's 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 a monster. <laughs> it's cr- I couldn't believe it. It was crazy. I'm trying to come up with a perfect analogy for that. I'm blanking. I, I don't think I could come up with one either. Of like, it's not even twins with DeVito. Yeah, and no, no, no. It's, it's not even well, that. The, the best thing I have is that it was made by the Opie Taylor of soda was Monster Energy Drink. God, what's the guy who breaks windows? Um, <laughs> In Mayberry, he breaks windows and he laughs. Uh, I don't, Ernest yeah, I forget his. T. Bass? Oh, yeah, Ernest T. Bass. T. Bass. <laughs> Opie like, grew up to be Ernest, Ernest T. Bass. Bass. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. unfathomable that yeah. they created this and then like wholly embraced it. And yeah. all of the like, well, come on down nah. and drink some nice Hansons. We're made of all only the good stuff too. Like, we're just a guitar solo <laughs> incarnate. Liquid, liquid bass pedals. What do you like? Car crash is fine. We got it. We got it in an aluminum can. <laughs> As we all know and lived through this, Monster Energy Drink was and still is huge. Yeah. The Monster Energy Drink was so much more popular than anything Hanson's had ever yes. done before. Yes. It made them tons of money and was so completely opposite of all their previous products and marketing. 
I still can't believe that they're responsible for it. Yeah. And because it was so successful, they poured a ton of money into promoting Monster to draw business away from their main competitor that popped up, which was Red Bull. Right. They also faced competition from our old pals Coke and Pepsi with Coke putting out Rockstar. Yeah. And Pepsi doing Sobe, if you remember those. I remember Sobe. I kind of liked Sobe. I don't really remember much about it. It was like an iced tea, like a canned iced tea. Yeah, it, it was an energy thing, but it was almost it was almost like a thick iced tea. Okay. Sobe is long gone, but Rockstar is still around. Yeah. But, uh, Monster became such the lion's share of Hanson's business that in 2012, they renamed the entire company from Hanson's Natural to Monster oh Beverage Corporation. Say, say, that, say that sentence again. Maybe just the last part. <laughs> they renamed the entire company from Hanson's Natural to Monster Beverage Corp. <laughs> and the core stand for like your abs, like your core muscles. <laughs> they were selling Monster Energy in over 114 countries, but Monster was not without its controversy. Lots of people had sued them because as they claimed, the drink was so extreme that they got a stroke after they drank one of them yeah. or their dad died after drinking one or something like that. Yeah. The entire country of India banned them because the ingredients were like contradictory. Like there's things that are supposed to relax you and then make you crazy in them. So like, we don't want this. Like I remember that was the first, I was pretty young and it was the first instance of chest pain. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, this is awful. That's the rite of passage with, uh, when you drink a Their logo is chest pain. <laughs> it's a guy, it's Hubert Hansen <laughs> clutching his chest, we, yeah, vomiting uh, blood. Lurched over. Monster itself, they sue a ton of people. They sue random places that happen to name their product Monster or Beast or anything relating to that whole vibe. And not even just sodas. Like one restaurant had something called Monster Nachos or something and uh -huh. they got sued by, by Monster Energy. Like they're just suing everybody. Boris Pickett's getting sued. <laughs> Let him try to stop his mash, his mashing of monsters. They <laughs> call it the Spectre Stomp. Which I wouldn't be surprised if that was... He did the Transylvania twist. But the weirdest one is they sued a group of fish enthusiasts called monster fish keepers and they sued them apparently they filed more cases with the u.s trademark courts than any other company ever wow i, I they mean they are monster they, uh, monster of litigation uh, it's hansen's monster is uh their official name yeah <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's the real monster <laughs> along the way with this success they absorbed the blue sky natural beverage company junior juice if you remember that from Not a kid really. from your childhood and peace tea but in 2015 they themselves sold the hansen's brand to our old folks Coca-Cola for $2.5 billion. But they yeah, but they kept Monster for themselves. Okay. So Coca-Cola, um, believe it or not, Coca-Cola is still around today. <laughs> the Hanson Soda is still around today. It's sold in Sprouts and Walmart and Whole Foods yeah. and a few other places. And their headquarters has been in the poorly named city of Corona. Not a good year for them since 1998. But the latest victim of a trademark Monster lawsuit was its partner, Coca-Cola itself. They sued Coca-Cola because Coke started putting out a drink that you also might be familiar with from a few years back. It was a lemonade called Hubert's Lemonade. And if you'll recall, the fruit squeezer who started this whole story was a man named Hubert Hansen, right. who had died in 1951. And on these Hubert Lemonade bottles, they were putting Hubert Hansen's life story, which the Monster Corporation did not give them wow. permission to do. So they sued them and it was settled just before the pandemic hit. And Monster won $9.6 million in damages and $7.4 in legal fees, making it the biggest verdict of its kind wow. in US history. So stay amped up monster energy drink <laughs> and i'll see you in court at 4 a.m after drinking six of you after pacing for two days uh that's wild yeah it's it's bestial i couldn't it's crazy like it, the whole story i was just so excited to like share share hansen soda yeah. but guess what they became <laughs> you won't believe what they did natural 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 snap what a nice reference is 
here we are. Right. Listen to this. <laughs> the real story starts here. That's our midway point. Yeah. So we're going to take an ad break right now and we'll see you. Go get some sodas. Why not? Yeah. Go get some sodas. Why not? If you take an ad break, I'm going to take a pee break. I'm going to take a pee break too. Okay. Let's go pee. Let's go together. Let's go pee. Drag, drag this with you. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. Ah, Greg. I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a whole month, but popcorn.com is pretty great i'm obsessed with it that's right this episode again is brought to you by podcorn.com to put it in layman's terms pretend you're talking to me (laughs) (laughs) a real doofus (laughs) a real mashed potato for brain kind of guy you know those things you see on television that have like they make you cry during the super bowl and there's also you know wacky things that happen and and at the end of it you want to buy a cheese it i didn't know the words for that is that are those podcorns yeah that Audi podcorn would have worked if I had the money to buy an Audi. If you want to get the money to buy an Audi and you have a podcast like a lot of our listeners do, go to podcorn.com. It's a place that will connect you, the podcaster, to advertises to run ads for them on your show. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host read ads like these, interview segments, which we haven't done, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. So you connect directly to the advertisers. They have listings and you message them and say, like, this is who we who listens to our show. This is what we can talk about. And it's open to podcasts of all sizes. Barack Obama would probably like Podcorn. <laughs> Barack Obama is here right now <laughs> to talk about Podcorn. Don't you want to say something, Barack Obama? Greg, do your Barack Obama impression. I, I am, am not a crook. <laughs> I am the Secret Service agent protecting Barack Obama, and he's not feeling very good today. So I'm, I just wanted to say that he's very pleased to be here. So you can choose your opportunities right on the platform. You set your own rates, and you collaborate with the brands directly without any exclusivities. Nobody else is involved. It's just you and them talking about it. I know this is your favorite part of Podcorn. You never give up any rights to your podcast when that you're doing is- that. So genuinely important to us for some reason because we're afraid of people stealing our intro idea. I'm afraid we're going to do an ad for like a mattress company, and then the next week, like our faces are all over the mattress company, and like we're owned by the mattress company. <laughs> Podcorn's there every step of the way to make sure you're protected and you're compensated for your work. Their mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Now we can actually be proactive and find ads for stuff we want to do ads for. We don't have to do you get to choose. We don't have to do things that wouldn't be a good fit. Like we don't have to do all those MMA ads that uh, (laughs) otherwise we would have had to. If you want to get involved with Podcorn, click the link in the show notes to sign up for it. And you can start browsing your sponsorship opportunities today for your own show. So that is podcorn.com. Please have a better tagline than the last one. All I have is be our competitor is the best one I ever came up with because we were talking about other podcasts. Oh, yeah, but that's not that doesn't that apply doesn't, anymore. That doesn't apply anymore. Podcorn.com. It doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> okay. okay. And we're back from our urinary extravaganza. <laughs> we peed so much and we can prove it. There's DNA all over the toilet seat lid. I'm going to talk about a place. Yes, and here we are. And here we are. Uh, urine is in the air uh, on my hands. We're going to be talking about a place that's very near and dear to my heart. Is it your rib cage? <laughs> it's that connecting piece between my aorta and... Today we're going to talk about the little soda pop stop that could and did 
Galco's Old World Groceries oh, yeah. at 5702 oh, yeah. York Boulevard in Highland oh, Park, yeah. California. Uh, just like we had to pause for a second when we started talking about Orange Bang. What a great place. What a fa- <laughs> yes, what a fantastic little place. Yeah. I cannot believe again that we get to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we don't deserve this, <laughs> but for some reason they haven't taken it away from us yet. It is so Here's the word I always think of, pure. Yeah. It's yes. such a pure yes. place. Yeah. And the guy's really nice. Yes, we yes. met him one time. He autographed some postcards. He did. Some people, some very lucky Patreon people got postcards signed by yep. John Neese. And now some very lucky garbage dump has those, <laughs> <laughs> those postcards. Some very lucky drawer is hiding it right now. <laughs> Galco's, if you don't know, specializes in hard-to-find sodas of a wide variety of tastes. It is an incredible store with incredible stock that is always blasting songs to the 50s and 60s. It yes. is the kind of place I'm like, I, I always think I know every 50s hit. <laughs> and then I go in there and I'm like, oh, Shazam, hurry up. <laughs> It's almost over, Shazam. Shazam, get in here. <laughs> As if the place wasn't good enough, the fact that they're playing like really deep 50s cuts yeah. the whole time is... I get genuinely excited. Yeah. I'll be talking up a ginger ale, okay? I'll be talking up some sort of, I don't know, butter pecan <laughs> drink. I'll be harassing a soda that also tastes like coffee. <laughs> and then Clarence Frogman Thomas comes on. I'm like, okay, everyone stop. I'm busy. <laughs> what, what, what is this song? It's a, uh, I ain't got a man, I ain't got a ton, I ain't got no one. I'm a lonely frog, I ain't got Home. Anyway, this is our backdoor pilot for our podcast <laughs> about Frogman. You give me Oombop, I give you <laughs> my generation's Oombop. Mm, frog is the the squirrel is, is in a bridge, staring at staring us, staring at you. <laughs> he is like either poised to attack or attentively listening, like a good little boy. This is like in a movie where we were talking about like the secret plans for something. Yeah, we were like two side characters, yeah. carelessly talking about the secret plans for something, and then like, well, but nobody can find out, <laughs> and we walk away. But then the camera lingers and zooms in, and the <laughs> squirrel was behind the bushes the entire time listening his head yeah. resting on his hands belly <laughs> on the tree bark just listening this squirrel is going to bite us by the time this episode i think he done. wants to go home with us and i kind of want to take him do you want to have a brother <laughs> does ringo want a brother today okay a feral brother oh yeah so where were we galco's galco's story goes so far back so far back okay. i could not believe how far galco's goes back galco's story goes back beyond carbonated beverages to old los angeles to italian men mr okay they're italian names okay. my girlfriend's gonna stab me in the neck <laughs> so uh, let's just get all the good stuff out now mr galliato and mr Cortopassi. I also read their brothers. I also read this separately in another place. And I can't confirm anywhere. Gaiolato and Cordo are both brothers, and their last name is Posse. So okay. one guy's name isn't Cortopassi. It's Cordo space Posse. So no matter what. Oh, another horse is coming by, and the squirrel's coming down from the tree. And he's him. looking at us. Oh my God, he is looking at us. Okay, we like it was really cute when you're up in the tree far away, but do not come close. And now the horse is in the tree, and the <laughs> horse is looking at us, and now the horse is biting me. <laughs> now the tree is on the horse, and the tree is looking at me. <laughs> Suddenly, I. I'm the squirrel. <laughs> yeah, those names, all of those names sound like really old Italian names yeah. that we're never going to, you know, it's I, like people from the Old West and their names yeah. like, my name is Hump Bump Clutterbump. <laughs> what, which is, what's your first it, name? Oh, that's all the first name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyways, the two Italian men opened Galco's Imported Grocery. They opened it in like the 1890s as an Italian grocery store on Pico in Vermont, but it was moved by 1897 they moved to old Chinatown. They just called it Chinatown back then, which was actually closer to where Union Station was, or it's actually like kind of where Alpine is, if you know the area of Chinatown that's like right, against yeah. the hill. Well, that's the one that they like raised, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they built Disney's China, Di- yeah. Disney's, Disney's Chinatown. Disney's Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> forget it, Mickey. It's the. Don't go back! Forget it! I totally forget about it! Forget about it! 
So the store was on Castaller Street, which is now Hill, and Ord. Ord is where I know Ord for sure is where Philippe's is. Hill is where the freeway is. So it was okay. back there by Alpine. A lot of people might recall that Chinatown, what we think of Chinatown now, actually had a large Italian population at the time. Right. Well, the, the Italian American. The yes, that's right. The people who notoriously don't like us. The by Italian episode Amer- four, we're already like, no, stop what you're doing. Yeah. The Italian American museums, right? Kind of near there. Kind of near there. Yeah. So not too far from there, where they opened up Galco's originally Hill and Ord. Around there, in Chavez Ravine, Louis Ness was born in 1910. His father, an Italian immigrant, herded goats there in Chavez Ravine, where Major League Baseball is now played. Louis' next door neighbor, growing up, was a well, woman. Now they've, now they've only got the goat. And I'm talking about Mike Piazza. (laughs) (laughs) He's still playing. And they still have him for some reason. And he won't leave the dugout. And he will always be the goat. He keeps talking about squatters' rights. It's a dugout. (laughs) It's not a house. (laughs) He keeps talking about pitchers' rights. (laughs) He's a catcher. Louis' next-door neighbor growing up was the woman who... Whatever. Pitch, catch. (laughs) What what is reality? A tree's looking at a horse. (laughs) Louis' next-door neighbor growing up was the woman who would eventually become his wife, Rose Marie Ness. This is a woman who recalled when Broadway was a dirt road. (laughs) This is how old... And it was just people doing, like, uh, monologues on the side of a dirt road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shakespeare in the Park, but Shakespeare was alive editing it. Live readings with Shakespeare. The two got hitched, anyways, in 1933. But as a boy, Louis would sell... Saturday Night Live (laughs) with William Shakespeare and Chris Kattan. (laughs) Special guest, Mike Piazza. (laughs) Musical guest, a harmonica. (laughs) Harmonica on a windy day. Oi. Um, we do history, right? I don't remember. <laughs> Reality's blurring. <laughs> a tree's baiting with a tree on the horse. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but as a boy, Louis would sell newspapers outside of Galco. So come 1940, Louis would opt in and become a business partner with Giolato and Cordopassi. And three years later, he just bought the store from them. Uh, this is now 1955, and Galco's imported groceries moved from their Chinatown location to its permanent home in Highland Park on New York Boulevard. What, what year is this? 1955. So they've okay. been there since 1955. The Still a long time. We, we talk yeah. about like, that's not that, that was 70 years ago yeah that was 70 years ago <laughs> and the store had was actually older than that yeah. breaching into right. old Los Angeles yeah that's so weird just yeah. like the Poblador's crossed the river <laughs> and Galcos was there <laughs> you guys want a soda that tastes like celery <laughs> <laughs> no I don't know what any of that is thank you very much I've been walking for like three months <laughs> and for close to 40 years Galcos functions as a small mom and pop grocery store after decades of prosperity though the emergence of large chain grocery stores in the 90s Cue the 90s montage. Uh, <laughs> and those stores' massive distribution channels, places like Galco's were being overshadowed and crushed. All mm-hmm. these mom-and-pop little rinky-dink stores. It was no competition. So Galco's was on the brink of closing its doors in 1995 when Louis and Rosemary's son, John, stepped in. That's the John Ness that we know now who's he, still at the store. The guy who signed the cards. The guy with John the apron Ness. who signed the cards. <laughs> the man in the apron. The man in the apron. John Ness knew what was ahead was a David versus Goliath struggle to keep his family business going. Which is also one of their sodas. This is also a soda, and it, it, it tastes just like it Bethlehem. Tastes, tastes, <laughs> the old taste of Bethlehem. <laughs> Ooh, hot now, dirt. Now with more frozen slingshots in it. Now the thing is scratching under its arm. It's just like us. It's emulating us. It like is. When we scratch under our arms this whole he's time scr- we're talking. He's, scratching. he's got a little microphone, <laughs> Greg. <laughs> he's trying to plug into the... There's not another port. He has his own mixer. <laughs> so, so anyway, John Ness is in the picture. John Ness grew up in the 50s and would help his dad at the, his family's market which was new as a young kid growing up in Galco's working with his father what excited him the most about going in and working was it meant he would got to drink soda pop during lunch so this wasn't this was just like a store yeah. it wasn't a soda it wasn't store. a soda store okay. it was just like a mom and pop sort of market not like pop a, like soda not soda 
pop. Not, and not, mom and soda pop. Mom and pop. <laughs> mother and soda pop. I would be so proud of us. A mother and father shop. <laughs> Didn't sell mothers and fathers. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So anyways, it really excited him as a kid going and helping his dad because it meant when they had lunch, he would get soda. soda. Yeah. Thank you. That's for, how he was paid. Thank you for throwing the word in that we were saying a bunch this whole episode. Thank <laughs> what you is for, that stuff called? Yeah. Carbonate. I don't remember. <laughs> well, I call all sodas Pepsi anyway. So I'm from Missouri. <laughs> I'm from the Southwest. I call all soda squirt. So excuse me, please. <laughs> Everything's a cactus cooler to me. Yeah. So John's dad, Louis, the, who originally started, his best friend owned a soda pop bottling plant and John loved to visit it as a kid. So that's like, he grew up around a lot of soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also attended like you some- did with your godfather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I opened up my own soda shop and <laughs> It's called this podcast. Um, John also attended something called Happy Camp, which sounds fake, but uh, I guess it's real, during the summers, and he would often fantasize about hooking up natural bubbling spring water, adding syrup, and siphoning it to the school's drinking fountain. So there's a love of soda purely there. That would be great. And pizza every day. Instead of teachers, there were just pizzas. (laughs) There's just a stack of, a human-sized stack of pizzas in front of the classroom every day. And instead of learning, you got dumber every day. (laughs) It would have been great. (laughs) It would have done been great. It's basically describing my life now. Another factor in what would make John the best candidate to take over was growing up the son of a small business owner, which meant he grew up understanding how things like distribution channels and pricing caps worked. If you read interviews with him, he's incredibly savvy and heavily opinionated when it comes to companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and large supermarkets. Oh, is he now? Very opinionated. Well, oh, I, he... I turned. You changed me with the last story. Now I've turned. I don't like Coca-Cola <laughs> anymore. He also is very opinionated on Panettone, which he kept trying to, because we That's were right. around like Christmas time. And he's like, you gotta try this Panettone I got. Come eat the Panettone. I got it from those Italian guys. He was guys holding like a, bo- a case of it and kept trying to, can you hold this for me? Yeah. And just walk it over to the counter and then pay for it. <laughs> can you hold your credit card out? <laughs> just, uh, I'll sk- I could skin it from here. Yeah, he kept trying to, like yeah. we just wanted to buy some postcards and yeah. soda and he's like, buy my Panettone, please. <laughs> I go over a pot, please help me out. <laughs> he opened up his card, it's just Panettone everywhere. <laughs> so in the mid-90s, according to legend via John, everything started after an encounter with a Pepsi salesman trying Uh-oh. to sell a 100-case pallet of Pepsi to the store. Mm-hmm. John asked the salesman, how much am I actually going to profit off this case? And the salesman said about $30. <laughs> John says, thanks, but no thanks, <laughs> because supermarkets are on York Boulevard, and he said the supermarket down the street can sell a 12-pack for $1.99 if they wanted to, and Galcos will spend the money and suffer. They can't compete with the big store that can sell it at any price they want. So from what John says, the big chain supermarkets bought up all the distribution channels to regular grocery stores, then closed the distribution channels and then reopen them with larger prices for like $20 a case, which big chain supermarkets could afford and they had no cap and pricing, they would sell anyways. So they were going to like mark up or mark down whatever they needed to close the little shops down. So those closing of big distribution channels by the markets were effectively what I'm trying to get at is crushing the stores. John Ness was in trouble. John Ness was in trouble. Thank you very much. So anyways, Pepsi guy leaves comes back the next day with a regional manager. They look around. They don't say anything. They leave. And then it's a Coke guy, but it's the same guy with a mustache. <laughs> uh, you want to buy Coca-Cola? <laughs> same guy, but just a little bit handsomer. And then John said he, he had an order placed already previously. That order was never received. And that was kind of just the last straw mm-hmm. like with dealing with these people. He was done trying to beg for scraps. The encounter also had the positive benefit of reminding John that the shelves at Galco were his spaces to sell what he wanted. He didn't have to sell these big, you know, at big chain stores, customers are limited to what the store sells and what a high demand popular item is. Right. Like they work in almost in conjunction. There's no customization. Exactly. There's no, this exactly. is the auteur yeah, exactly. of supermarkets. It's the uh, the big movie theater is going to play the Marvel movie. It's not You're yeah. not going to watch. Yeah. Ralph's is a Thor movie. This yes. is the Phantom Thread. This is your Francis Ha. And mom and pop 
<laughs> the squirrel is, it's it, like. It sounded like it was just behind me. Mom pop grocery stores are strong armed basically into selling whatever the most popular item is. And it can cripple a store if, let's say, Coke wants to sell $20 a case and that's the most popular thing, it'll crush yeah. the store. So, as John puts it, big stores don't have a lot of dollar profits. So, Coke takes profits from little stores in order to buy more shelf space in bigger stores and eliminate the company. I've been saying the same thing over yeah. and over and over and over. <laughs> it wasn't that Coke was a better product. They just simply squeeze everyone off, off the shelf. All of the understanding this is to understand how Galco's works and why Galco's is Galco's. Yeah, almost like if he didn't sort of specialize the way he did, he wouldn't be in Exactly. We wouldn't we, be going to Galco's. Which is today. like one of the themes of everything here basically we're talking about is like be niche. Yeah. Like a niche thing, well, you'll, you'll do fine. Describing the podcast. Thank you once again. <laughs> be niche. He's so niche that the WTFs can't come for you. And also when we're online on YouTube or Reddit, be nice. No. <laughs> Be niche, be nice. That's the motto of LA Meekly. So true. So John decided that instead of helping to shut down other little businesses like his own, he was going to give them a boost and he was going to use Soda Pop to do it. He would start reaching out and making connections. Father? I'm going to use you now, Father. He would start reaching out and making connections and stocking shelves with hard-to-find novelty sodas. It grew organically. Someone would call the store asking for a mint soda in the LA area and he said he didn't know where to find it, but she did. He's talking about a specific case. Not necessarily the first case, but like things like this would happen at the beginning. Beginning, and it yeah. started to this grow. So this lady called asking for mint sodas in LA. He said he didn't know where to find it. She's like, oh, I know where to find it. I just don't know how to get to LA. It was in Pittsburgh. So he'd call the plant in Pittsburgh that bottled mint soda and said, I have a woman here on the West Coast that wants some. And then a channel was formed. And that's how he suddenly he has a channel to this mint soda place. That was basically the model at the beginning. He started stocking the shelves with a smaller brands of soda from independent bottlers. And it started getting attention from that. Uh, they now sell something like 750 varieties of soda. Uh, and not just soda, but also like craft beers, candy, sake, wines. Old candy. Old also, candies. Like button, specialty. The, the button with the paper. Yeah. The stuff you'd find at Willy Wonka's factory. Exactly. They have everlasting gobstoppers. Yeah. Scrum Dillium. Yes. <laughs> Your standard Wonka bar. The, the, Wonka bar. the, the candy man himself. <laughs> Who will let kids raid his store but the second that charlie wants something not uh, you not you i see you enjoying that you look poor can you prove that you have money you don't have to pay me right now but just prove that you have money he was coca-cola <laughs> and john ness is little charlie bucket but that bucket is full of soda it's full of a cucumber soda can i have ketchup flavored soda do you know where to find ketchup? i know where to find ketchup flavored soda i don't know where to find it here in 2011 they began making their own soda there at galco's after john ness wanted to produce a long gone cream soda that was made by the White Rose Springs Water Co., which was a plant in Northeast LA up until the 60s. Not only did he want to recreate this cream soda from the 60s, to do it, he needed to use a vintage carbonation method that could replicate the taste of a 1930s era <laughs> soda. So they looked around, they found a bottling company in Pittsburgh. They operate the last pinpoint dry ice carbonation machine in the US. And the process made it super bubbly. Like the soda, the cream soda was like champagne bubbly. Um, <laughs> it was trembling on the shelf. What is the soda called in Willy Wonka? A fizzy lifting fizzy drink. Fizzy lifting drink. Burp on me, Charlie. <laughs> Burp into your grandpappy's mouth and we can, our lives will be saved. <laughs> that is the grossest scene. After all that wonderful, like this is so, I'm making me so hungry. Yeah. And listening to people burp, burp for To save their lives. <laughs> to not get cut up in a fan. And then they roll up after a traumatizing and like, so what are we talking about now? <laughs> this tour is pretty great, isn't it? <laughs> We're totally paying attention, but where are we? What are we talking about right now? All of my sweating a lot? Grandpa's crying. So with this method, they were able to recreate and sell that cream soda, and a portion of the proceeds went to benefit the Southwest Museum and the Casa de oh, really? Adobe. So they're making their own soda there also? Yeah, or? yeah, they're making... I don't know if they bottle it there, but I know they make their own soda there. They also have like those... Yeah, they have the cut, make your own... Make your own soda things, yeah. Also, a, a huge part of Galco's is the Dali, which I've only eaten at once, but I, I, I love. I, I always forget about it, and I always go to Galco's 
full already. Yeah. And so I always forget. Like, I <laughs> You're just thirsty. When yeah, you I'm there. just thirsty. I always go and I've already eaten. But the deli is great. The menu includes a sandwich called the Blockbuster. It's attributed to boxer Rocky Marciano, who supposedly came into Galco's one day to grab a sandwich and remarked, Wow, this is a real blockbuster. You could have, wow, this is a real meatball sandwich. He could have said anything. <laughs> this is a real turkey club. <laughs> this is a real heat stroke. Yeah. Call it the heat stroke. The sandwiches are made using the same sourdough bread and Molinari cold cuts the family has used for decades. John Ness was on California Gold with Hugh Hauser, a great of episode. Of and has, I mean, like two doppelgangers of yeah, each other. It is It is the Conan Stephen Colbert of yeah. like no, like California novelties. <laughs> Ness has made numerous appearances on TV talking about Galco's. Here's something I didn't know till this morning. Billie Eilish said it's one of her favorite places in even filmed something in Galco's oh, and weird. she went on the that YouTube show The Hot Ones where they eat yeah. spicy food and she did a on The Hot Ones talked about Galco's that's so did weird. a soda tasting thing and then John Ness recorded a thank you message for Billie that's Eilish so and that's then they had like a little promo where they're like waving and stuff and then she's like burping through the whole thing it was pretty gross she was trying to stay out of the fan the most surprising thing to me not only is that Billie Eilish is an alley native and love and grew up she around, is? yeah not only that yeah. Did you know, much like foxes, that she's not British? Well, if she's an L.A. native. Yeah, that's how that works. I thought that she was British. And I swear to God, I heard her in an interview with a British accent. I'm like, (laughs) oh, good for her being a British person. You might be thinking of Lord. Or maybe I'm just thinking... Lords are from England. I think that you're thinking she's that also from LA. She's from Pacoima. <laughs> what do you and I know about any music that isn't being played over the speakers of Galco's? That but is... now he only plays Billie Eilish. <laughs> I'm kind of scared that he's gonna like it's gonna get yeah, to his head. Gonna... And, like I only play Billie Eilish now. <laughs> I skateboard now. Yeah, I play really moody music from a teenage girl. Galco's has a. I bet you can comment on this annual summer soda tasting. I, I was waiting until the end to talk about. You this. can expand your soda palette. The Galco's this Galco's event features small pours of an array of different soda styles. On some occasions. Soda makers themselves are there to pour the shot glass size gulps. I'm going to name a couple of the most popular ones from 2019, and then I'll let you comment. Vanilla butterscotch root beer from Oso. Sparkling pink grapefruit from Bundaberg. I like Bundaberg, but I don't like grapefruit. Okay. Almond cream soda. You're asking for my commentary, right? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) No. I'm sorry, friend. You don't understand how this works. Almond cream soda from Red Ribbon Soda Works. Mm -hmm. Lavender sweet blossom from the Global Beverage Enterprises. Come up with a better name. (laughs) From Soda Inc. And the unfortunately named Plantation Style Mint Julep. Mm. I won't order it. (laughs) Mission Style Burritos. That's a thing. But anyway, yeah, it's called about it because you've been to it. It's called like Around the World in 80 Sips or something like that. We went to it years ago. I still have the shot glass. You get to keep the shot glass. Uh And you go around. Yeah, there was like. 30 booths or something they do it in the parking lot and then also in the store and you just go to each one and they have like five different sodas from their company and you just like all right fill it up and they give you a shot of each one it's pretty cool and yeah there's so many fun different things you kind of your taste buds sort of start to like i'm sure yeah but you also start to get a little bit drunk (laughs) because you're drinking like by like the 70th sip yeah like you've had so much sugar and carbonation (laughs) and caffeine like you start getting a little weird yeah it was a lot of fun and there were some really really weird sodas like like rosemary soda oh, or yeah. tarragon i think it was like tarragon, tarragon soda really yeah, that one was not good <laughs> but, but there were some the really thing good with ones. galco's and i love it and this is part of my appeal is that you can try really bad sodas there which i often do i'm like that <laughs> that's what good. it says on their <laughs> on the marquee i'll be in the car like this sucks but i just the opportunity that they had it yeah. makes me happy <laughs> thank you for the opportunity thank you for the opportunity to drink this uh, butterscotch root beer was the last <laughs> one i got and like i have a layer in my mouth that won't go away i highly recommend the around the world in 80 and just going there of course, of go course, there. But the, around the world in eighty sips is like one of the greatest things I've ever done in Los Angeles. Like it was so did, much fun. Did we ever talk about what your bachelor party was like? 
only a part of the bachelor party was an extended root beer taste test between you and Alberto, man who created the theme for <laughs> who the did podcast. the theme song. But that was only one part. Like that one was the, that was the tip of the iceberg. Th- that whole root beer taste test had been going on before and after that. Really? Like we we've tried like a hundred different root oh beers, God. a lot of which were bought at Galco's because they that was the only place to find the weirdest. We ones. went there together before you went on your trip, so you can buy your supply, of course. And that's when we ran into John S. and he signed the things. Also part of your bachelor party we went to a buffet in a casino all your friends are psychotic because they plan buffet food so they're like yes. no you can't have the carbs before a salad what are you that's empty calories i'm like no one's ever okay i ate so much i thought i was gonna throw up and then aaron's driving was made it i was pretty obviously yeah. gonna throw up in the <laughs> desert and then we watched enter the dragon while you guys tasted sodas and i didn't have a single drink the whole night it was welcome aboard. it was heaven <laughs> Go, welcome to what you guys told me was palm springs but was actually joshua tree yeah, talk to the airbnb people <laughs> oh i will oh it's right off the beaten path of palm springs <laughs> walking distance it's right off the desert behind <laughs> Palm Springs. We stayed not too far from there when me and Ada went to Joshua Tree not too, during the pandemic We went, and we were like three miles away from where we stayed before. No. I kept telling Ada what did I, you kept repeating that night and uh, like, I was telling her and she on purpose and she was getting annoyed. You need to have your eyes dilate. That's what I kept telling her because <laughs> you were screaming at us the whole the whole trip. Because I wanted to see the, the Milky Way and I, <laughs> so I led us all, that was the pretense that I led you all into the desert under. I gotta but, load the shotgun. It's uh, astronomy related. The clicking is uh, your <laughs> Eyes dilating. Yeah, the, you you got it because you all were like, I want to look at my phone. No, you've got to let your eyes dilate. You go into the desert, no light. Don't look. Don't even look at the cars that yeah. might be driving by, and you got to let your eyes dilate. dilate. For thirty <laughs> minutes, you kept screaming at us during the day on the way over there. The squirrel got scared because I was screaming. I'm not. You're not in trouble. He's in trouble. Anyways, to finish this off. Yeah. This okay. One, if you go there today, 2021, you are more likely to run into John Ness wearing a red apron and stocking the shelves. He's a man who took his family's business and made something truly special nationally recognized and fought the chain stores that would have suppressed him and would have closed Galco's down that man is still there today stocking the shelf so go say hi yeah. go stop by Galco's go hungry and stop by the deli get a blockbuster and tell him LA Meekly sent you <laughs> he won't know what that means and that's <laughs> no, fine those boys who made me sign that postcard the boys who didn't buy the panettone <laughs> you want some panettone <laughs> that's what the postcard said panettone half off uh, sincerely yeah that's a great place I'm yep. getting so hungry talking about all these sugary yeah, drinks and everything but let's get to our last one this is maybe the sugariest now orange bang is pretty sugary but yeah. a soda made out of shirley temple surely you can't be a cannibal what do you think of that <laughs> I, I i have no idea what's going on i'm talking about the shirley temple drink oh on the good ship soda <laughs> pop see i did a thing that you do you happy you, you like that you like that kind of crap it feels good. It feels good to, to wear you down like that. But yeah, I'm talking about Shirley Temple. The Shirley Temple. So first off, let's just Wait, talk about what the greatest... When you say the Shirley Temple, make sure you know that the drink... When you That's say, actually an interesting part of it. That's what... That's, uh, <laughs> that's going to be... <laughs> you're attracting the squirrel. <laughs> We're going to get into all of that. Okay. The, the very confusion you just had. Chevy Chase. <laughs> It's the Chevy Chase of drinks. <laughs> it's not named after that Shirley Temple. <laughs> it's Shirley another Shirley Temple. It's an Temple. old Irish Shirley Temple. <laughs> named Chevy Chase. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what the greatest drink ever created it, is. It kind of is. What is a Shirley Temple? Well, it's not that simple. What do you think you start with? What, In your opinion, what do you start with of a Shirley Temple? Cherries. Okay, other than that, like, what is the liquid? You know, I don't even know. It's like seltzer water or something? Well, most of us use Sprite or 7-Up, which in itself is a debate. But if we're going strictly traditional... You gotta use ginger ale. Ginger ale, which really? I've, I don't think I've had that, but that sounds great. And then you add your grenadine, which again, guess what flavor grenadine is? Because I never knew this. Grenades. 
It's war flavored. Yeah. War flavored. No, what, it tastes what, like Vietnam. What flavor is grenadine? Well, what do you think grenadine is? The syrup, that red syrup. Yeah, actually, I have no idea. Grenadine, which I always assumed was cherry flavored, it's pomegranate flavored. Oh, okay. Everyone thinks it's cherry flavored because of the next addition to the drink, a maraschino cherry yes. on top. Everybody, including me until about a week ago, thought Shirley Temples were cherry flavored, but they're actually not. It's grenadine flavored, and there's just the cherry on top. Very odd. I never. It, I, it's weird. I'll have to th- rethink my entire life it's now. Just kind of tastes like red. Yeah. But it's delicious. I've always thought the same thing. The way I think Windex tastes like blue. Yeah. I'm drinking a prime color right now. <laughs> I've tapped into a higher sense. <laughs> I have that disease where I can taste <laughs> colors. It's synesthesia. Yeah. That you can say, but you can't say simulacrum. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so then there's the occasional addition of a slice of lime on top. And okay. in Canada, they apparently put orange juice in it. All right. Well, I can't have it then. But uh, well, I'm out. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> but that that's the Shirley Temple. The, okay. It was the original mocktail. This was the first one, yeah. the Shirley Temple. Then there's the four boys version, which I resent because I am I will always order a Shirley Temple yeah, anywhere I go. Boys. I'm, I'm definitely not four boys in a trench coat. Um, <laughs> the four boys version is the Roy Rogers, which is the same thing, but they use Coke instead of... Uh, oh, okay. It's just like a cherry Coke. Pretty much. Well, a grenadine Coke. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just taught you that. <laughs> uh, but some people call that a Shirley Temple Black, which is funny. Okay. So that's that... her married name. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the first thing I ordered at a bar when I turned 21, the Dirty Shirley. You did. Which has vodka in it and ruins the entire thing, in my opinion. (laughs) What's bad about adding rubbing alcohol to a drink? Why why would that be bad? (laughs) The sweetest thing you can imagine. What's so wrong about adding the exact opposite (laughs) taste? Uh, Uh, I think you just need it made better. More vodka. (laughs) But this still leads us to the real question. What is a Shirley Temple? In brief, Shirley Temple was born April 23rd, 1928, right here in Santa Monica. Another, like Billie Eilish. (laughs) She was the original Billie Eilish. She was the original Billie Eilish, more like it. Funny. The way she, those little eyes, Greg. Um, <laughs> it's a little girl. At age three, she started acting in her first movies, a series unfortunately titled The Baby Burlesques. Okay. And she had a natural talent for dancing, so Fox, not the guy who made the orange bang. The guy who blew up the bridge or whatever. The guy Fox. Yeah. Picked her up probably literally, and made <laughs> nine movies with her. And nice. this was the height of the big old depression. So this sweet, innocent, little optimistic girl yeah. dancing was just what the sad sack American public needed to see at the time. And Look she, at her. She's not starving to death. We're doing fine. Yeah, she's so plump. <laughs> and she became huge. Yeah. Not physically. Nobody <laughs> it, was it was the depression. depression. <laughs> her movies, they were wildly popular. She was making more money than the president, who wasn't. Um, <laughs> FDR said... As long as our country has Shirley Temple, we will be all right. She was like the original Bitcoin. She was like she a was, currency in her own. Her, imagine them saying that about um, like a child star. As yeah. long as we have Jonathan Taylor Thomas, we'll be fine. <laughs> as long as we have Finn Wolfhard, <laughs> America will always pull through this. Her pinnacle came in 1934 when Bright Eyes, where oh, yeah. she sang the song that we all know from TV infomercials of CD box sets mm-hmm. on the good mm-hmm. ship. Lolly soda pop. <laughs> People loved this performance so much she was awarded a special Oscar for Outstanding Personality that year. You seem chipper. You want an award for it? Most chipper. Anyways, little... I'm, I'm halfway done screaming to Judy Garland yeah. about something. You don't win it this year, Judy. <laughs> Here you go, little Shirley. Um, between 1935 to 38, she was the biggest thing in America behind eating sawdust. <laughs> By 1940, she had already been in 43 movies. Oh my God. She was 12 years old. I, don't, I can't even do the math on I mean, it. like they shot a 
a movie a day, basically. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that for her, they did. <laughs> she retired from acting in 1949 and went on to have a really impressive political and humanitarian career, yeah. but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we're, we're talking about soda pop. <laughs> we're talking about little girls and soda pop. <laughs> Why is there a drink named after her? As the story goes, it was Shirley's 10th birthday, and she was out to eat with her parents, but she started complaining because her parents were drinking old fashions and bought by her their child's success. Yeah, on the back pa- on the back of her child. by this daughter's mangled feet from doing <laughs> tap dancing, and she didn't get to drink old fashions because she was 10. Yeah. So the staff, who would never work again if they made 10-year-old Shirley Temple cry, mm-hmm. whipped up a non-alcoholic equivalent of an old-fashioned out of things they had lying around, ginger ale and grenadine, complete with the cherry on top. That is incredible that I never saw that those two things Neither are the did same I. thing. I, I, I never put it together. Wow. But it's so funny because I always associate, like if you had put a Shirley Temple in a rock glass, like the way you usually get yeah. an yeah, old-fashioned, I'd be like, oh, those two things yeah. are the same thing. <laughs> are you two related? <laughs> now, where exactly? Exactly, this happened will always be debated. The I ro- bet. Yeah, the Royal Hawaiian Hotel in Honolulu claims they invented it because Shirley would vacation there a lot with her parents. More locally, some people say it was the pig and whistle. Oh, okay. Uh, one guy named Smith Smithy Lowther claimed. Okay, first of all, his name should be Liar Liar. <laughs> liar, 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 L-Y-R-E. So he claimed he invented it at a restaurant in Hollywood, but he never said what restaurant that was. Yeah. The most widely accepted answer is one of two places. Most people believe that it was at Chasen's, which was at 9039 Beverly Boulevard in West Hollywood, which mm-hmm. is now a Bristol Farms. Okay. Of course. Oh, what isn't a Bristol yeah, Farms exactly. in West Hollywood? But supposedly they still have part of the old restaurant preserved as part of their cafe. Oh, wow. But then there's the people who believe it was, of course, the Brown Derby, yes. which may makes sense because they did drinks named after celebrities all the time and also Shirley Temple herself said it was invented there. Uh, so that might <laughs> be the place. Trust. I, don't, I don't know. I think it's Liar Liar <laughs> Mick Liar or whatever we called him. Liar Liar, his uh, maiden name is Pants on Fire. Pants on Fire. It's, it's French. It, it sounds more lyrical in French but yeah. in American it sounds like it, When he came fire. to Ellis Island they changed it. <laughs> but here's the twist of Lemon. Shirley Temple hated the Shirley Temple. You're kidding. She hated the taste of them. She said it's a sack Saccharin sweet icky drink. Is she describing herself or the drink? I'm confused. It's a saccharin sweet <laughs> icky drink. I hate myself. Um, and she said in later years, all over the world, I am served that. People think it's funny. I hate them. Too sweet. <laughs> She's sounding a little bit more like uh, Judy Garland. <laughs> Judy Garland. Yeah, she sounds like the little kid at the end of Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he's like on camera. He's like, oh, anything, Mother Margaret. But off camera, he's like, why? She showed up late every time. That sounds like. How dare they? <laughs> I wanted an old fashioned. One person tried to give her one once and she said, if you drink that, you're going to get diabetes. <laughs> she hated the idea of her name being on what was essentially a cocktail for kids. Right. <laughs> call it that. It's uh, much better. Don't call it mocktails. Call it cocktails for kids. <laughs> Kitty cock. <laughs> no, don't call him that. Um, <laughs> never mind. I take that back. I take that back. Scratch that, please. <laughs> On top of that, she said she was not even there for the creation of this drink. And the whole story, it, like she was never served it as a kid. She says that the Brown Derby just made it up and she had absolutely nothing to do with it. Here's what. Okay. Well, for sure, she wasn't in the Pig and Whistle when she was 10 years old. No, 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 no way. No. Jonathan Taylor Thomas wouldn't be let in there. No, there was Shirley Temple. <laughs> and liar, liar, McLiar. <laughs> I think we can't trust her. Yeah. So she says she, she had nothing to do with it. Yeah. 
it just was made. It's weird how I believe her because uh, she's Shirley Temple. Yeah. And the drink is called Shirley Temple. Yeah. And she probably knows better. And than why me. would she lie? And, yeah, why would she not lie, Larson? So Shirley Temple's going around putting animal crackers in her soup, hating the Shirley Temple. But decades later came someone who wasn't a child star, Bradley Wideman. He okay. was just a regular man from Encino, not an Encino man, <laughs> who loved soda. Kind of like an Encino man. <laughs> he decided to make his own soda company, so he sold his sports car for $30,000. It's Encino. Everyone has a sports car. <laughs> and he started making sodas, and he'd sell them to delis and yogurt shops around Encino, and it eventually grew into a whole West Coast thing called Soda Pop Kids. But then in 1988, he decided to make a bottled version of the Shirley Temple, but he didn't want to risk being sued, so he called it the Shirley T, with the tagline, the Shirley Temple soft drink. <laughs> Okay. It's not Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it's Mickey M. Yeah. The Mickey the Mouse Mickey Mouse. Mouse. <laughs> the Mickey Mouse. <laughs> the, the Michael Mouse. <laughs> and then he got sued. Shirley Temple, the woman, was very protective of what she would and wouldn't allow her name to be attached Smart. to. She picked which toys, which dolls, which music boxes. Now, sorry, I don't. I hate to interrupt you. Yeah. Which toys or which toys? She picked okay. witches. Witches. She burned <laughs> There's toys three the meanings we're talking about. All three meanings apply. She curated Thank you. which toys, which dolls, which music boxes that her name was on throughout the years because she was very careful about the Shirley Temple brand yes. and image. She said a celebrity's name and image is all a celebrity has, so she wasn't going to let it just be slapped onto anything. Smart lady. One time she had to sue a carnival because they had an elephant named Shirley Temple and they were putting out signs to draw people in that said Shirley Temple's in here. You're kidding. <laughs> no, no. Come see Shirley Temple. You're kidding. Come meet. Uh, okay, does get the elephant an at least have like little locks? Did they put it in like a little Buster Browns or yeah, something? Yeah, they, they cut off its ivory and turned it into locks. <laughs> it, it's a great bit. You're making us 50 cents? <laughs> what a Wild. thing. What what Wild. a thing to walk, like the man-eating chicken from yeah. the little rascals to yeah. walk in. This isn't this isn't the little girl <laughs> I want to kidnap. She knows where gold is buried. I know it. <laughs> Earlier in 1988, she even had to sue Shirley's Temple Inc., which was a temple. It was a Jewish temple. It was a Jewish temple. I'm not going to say what she was, but she was that. It was in Santa Rosa. They were trying to sell the original Shirley Temple soft drink, and now she's suing Weidman. She hated this drink, and she said him trying to do this exploited her name, diluted her name's value, yeah. and also invaded her privacy. Right. He was all set to launch an ad campaign that had commercials of a cherry doing Shirley Temple's dance moves okay. that he spent $100,000 on, and all that had to be put... Oh my God, how many cards did he sell to do that? Um, <laughs> I totally side with her, and the weird thing is, like, you're probably going to get to this. I don't want to, like, jump the gun on it, but, like, just call it something else. Well, the, the drink is good enough to survive a name change. This is, we're getting into like a, a very heady, and I'm not just talking about when you pour a soda too fast Thank into you. it. Thank this you. one's got a lot of froth. <laughs> so you'd think this would be a standard copyright infringement sort of thing, but this trial took a really interesting philosophical turn. His lawyers argued that the name Shirley Temple no longer belonged to Shirley Temple. The girl. The woman. The, the name, they believed that the drink had been around for so long attached to something, the name Shirley Temple, something so common in everyday life, the Shirley Temple drink, that the word Shirley Temple had at a certain point changed from being a proper noun to just being a noun. Wow. Shirley Temple was now just part of the language and thus was part of the public domain. This is what his lawyers were claiming, to which she argued, 
No, it's my name. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm Shirley Temple, and yeah. you're and you're stealing it was my name. Named after yeah. me. <laughs> there had been a few other lawsuits that decided that sometimes brand names of things became so common that they just became the public domain name of those things, like a thermos or cellophane, band aid, band aid, Kleenex, no. uh, Q-tip. But Weidman's lawyers posed that this was the first time that a person's name had crossed over into meaning the same thing as the product named after them. Right. There was the celebrity deli sandwich name defense. Right. But Shirley's lawyers said that if this guy wins, it's going to set a precedent for a day when Clint Eastwood would mean the same thing as pastrami. Right. Like, I'm eating a Clint Eastwood sandwich. <laughs> and it's you, it's nationally understood. Yeah, exactly. Uh, go ahead. Make my sandwich. Uh, you think you're mustard, punk? <laughs> I, 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 I'm laughing for the effort, just so you know. So the whole thing turned into this Samuel Beckett play. And <laughs> in the end, the lawsuit went in Shirley Temple's favor. But that didn't stop the continuation of the legacy of the Shirley Temple drink. And in the end, Weidman's lawyers were exactly right. Like the drink is still available almost anywhere because it's easy to make and none of the ingredients are perishable. Yeah. So they're always around and kids and some adults, <laughs> they like it because it's delicious and it's also made to order like an adult drink rather yeah. than just shot out of a dispenser like yeah. most kids drinks are. And it's weird to think that Shirley Temple, legendary movie star at one time, now has a legacy that lives on not really in her movies, but in this drink. Yeah. Like as a kid, I hadn't, I don't think I had ever seen a Shirley Temple movie, but I still, I would drink her drink all the time and yeah. it was a part of my life and is more tangible to me than the woman herself is at this point. And it's weird to have a drink named after you, but it's not even like, it's the Julia Roberts Long Island Iced yeah, Tea. Yeah, yeah. In this case, Shirley Temple was the Long Island Iced Tea. Yeah, the like, Long Island Terracolor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no other thing to call it. No, yeah. it's it, it crossed over. Yeah. Like, it, it just evolved it, it never, into It never had else. another name. No, and, and the only other drinks like that are the Roy Rogers, which yeah. is nowhere near as popular, and also the Arnold Palmer, right. but he's still kind of recent and he hasn't quite crossed over to, into the that singularity yeah. we should all hope to someday achieve. The union of human entity with carbonated beverage. <laughs> God, one day I'll be there. I can't wait to be I'll a soda. I'll <laughs> transcend this will. human form. But yeah, those are some wow. sodas. I am so thirsty and hungry right starving. now. Starving. I'm starving. Let's get to our listener question and okay. wrap this up. God damn it. This is, <laughs> I just want to drink a cherry coke. This is from Chris Myers. He sent Hi, Chris. an email. What are you most looking forward to doing now that things are back open? As a follow-up to Risky Business, which I think he meant at Risky Business. Right. I, this isn't a sequel to Risky Business he's pitching to us. Well, we do a slide. Uh, what are you going to support by visiting now that things are opening up? Venues. Live venues is something I definitely want to support. I'm not quite ready to do live comedy yet. I thought no, I was and no. then kind of like I was like in the car like I, I, I just couldn't do it. But I want to start like the Yard Theater. Uh, I want to support them. Like because we lost that? it's in Marrow's. It's kind of by uh, Skip Town Playhouse. It's like I guess okay. around there. But I, I, I want to start supporting local life comedy okay. places. Again. Admirable. I, I'm gearing up to go back to the movie theater. That's what I'm right. looking forward to doing. I'm also looking forward to the LA Times Book Festival, which right. I think we already missed our chance for this year. Yeah. And just street fairs in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Yes. Halloween mazes. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait till Halloween this year. Yeah. And in terms of specific places to support, I'm looking forward to, I'm not I'm not quite there yet, but going to the old restaurants like the Formosa and yeah. stuff and sitting in there and supporting them before they can be taken yeah. away for good. Old Town Music Hall, Bob Baker, which we oh, talked about yeah. before. We got to get on those yeah. things. Movie theaters. Movie theaters. It, and theaters. We've been, I mean, I've been going to the drive-in long past when they cleared it for us to go to movie, inside movie theaters. I've still been going to the drive-in. Yeah, I wonder if those will stick around. I hope so. I've been going to the Mission Tiki Inn in Claremont and I love it and I love how secluded it is and kind of spooky trashy, but I love it. <laughs> but I, I, I like to think that for that summer, people really enjoy the 
drive-in and hopefully people will like yeah. oh yeah you know I, I like that experience more I, I hope it's looking less and less we knew this all along but now it's actually happening of yeah. like nobody's going to take anything out of this pandemic oh, yeah, like no, yeah. no good habits no like rediscovering of things you liked will be taken out of this which is sad but yeah. I, I hope like yeah bring back drive-in movie theaters and, all, and outdoor dining yeah stay around yeah I mean I really did like like I mean like I'm lazy so like curbside pickup was a f- oh yeah miracle yeah. to me and I'm hoping that a lot of stores that were struggling found a way to adapt in the in the heat of the moment and we're like oh this might be our new business model yeah. like I, I hope that like it, a Galco's like a Galco's for instance necessity I took a, a as you know a bunch of comedy writing classes during the pandemic and because there were places I could never go to before because they didn't offer online classes so you know I was home they needed to make money and I hope they keep doing that because I was able to really make that work for myself and like I hope that that's something to continue to offer because that was they made money and they were also were able to stay home and teach yeah well look the pull of the status quo is strong yes and it's uh people keep saying normal so much i'm like I, yeah. it drives Why? me crazy normal why? sucked yeah we hated it nobody liked yeah. normal two weeks into the pandemic people were like when, when can we go back to work why <laughs> I miss my bad job so much. I Oh, I miss it. I miss getting spat at by people. So look, we, if you have listener questions, yep. you can send them to us, la.meekly at gmail.com, right. or follow us and send them to us on Instagram, la underscore meekly, Twitter at la meekly. Also, leave us a review on yes. iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It helps us out. It gives us more boost. It yes. gets us more noticed. And we would love to be a popular thing one day. We would, sh- But outside of the singularity. And subscribe to our YouTube and... And support us on Patreon yes. for as little as $5 a month. We'll send you a handwritten postcard every single month. Um, it'll be a new postcard every month, we a promise. A new postcard Yeah, and it'll month. be handwritten, personalized to you, whatever your name is, if it's Bridget or if it's Chris Myers or if it's <laughs> David, <laughs> oh. can or con. Oh. <laughs> the best thing about sending postcards is you don't have to pronounce the names. Yeah. You no. can spell them any way you want. I spell them phonetically. I'm in trouble. I gotta <laughs> you can make that. up any address you want <laughs> for these people. Uh, so yeah, that's been our July soda episode. I can't tell you how, how third, like whenever we do a food or drink episode yeah. I'm like sweating with hunger yeah. by the time we're and done. I always think like let's get it before I know and have and it we there never do. and we never do because <laughs> we're our lives are back on the run yep I haven't eaten since June 15th <laughs> when, the, when the restrictions were lifted but yeah enjoy enjoy uh, your July or 4th of July stay safe Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Things are, get vaccinated yes. if you aren't vaccinated because it's very unsafe for you right yes. now. The, and for the rest like a lot of, of us, people are saying the only deaths are from unvaccinated people. So let's please. keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> As bad as that might have sounded, <laughs> let's not let this mutate into something that can undo everything yes. that we've worked towards. Yeah. So get vaccinated. Stay safe. We'll see you in August. I am going to drink the most syrupy soda I can find. <laughs> and that's been yet another episode of L.A. Meekly, making Coca-Cola both the good guy and the bad guy since 2013. Glug, 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 glug. That's me fainting. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. He passed out an hour ago. He keeps repeating the word glug. <laughs> now the squirrel's just <laughs> chewing at my throat. <laughs> <laughs>